0: future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. Quake There
1: are new dreams
0: Crowding out old realities This revolution Sweeping like
1: a fresh new breeze Let the old world make believe It's blind to and Shape of things. Nothing can change the shape of things. Nothing can change the shape
2: of things to come. Welcome to the
3: Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, not faster than Dr. Future Bionic.
2: Hey, I like that. But <laughs> well, welcome to a new week of the Future Quake Show for a show that I think will be legendary.
3: Wow, Bold.
2: I I think this show may actually be inscribed on gold plates and put on one of those pioneer satellites.
3: Well, you know that the Klingons did shoot that thing out of the sky in Star Trek Two.
2: You know, that's just pretend. That's not real. (laughs) Really? I don't think Uh, I've told you that. Next thing
3: you're going to tell me, the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy. I know. I know you learn all sorts of things on
2: this show. It's all. Having said all that, you're in for an incredible treat uh, this week. We have a double-barreled guest selection here this week. First of all, we have someone who's who's a legend, who I think is going to play even more prominent role in society in the days to come, although now he's basically a household name. Mm-hmm. We have the one, the only Judge Andrew Napolitano, the constitutional mm-hmm. expert and judge who is a fixture on Fox News, mm-hmm. uh, who is known as probably the preeminent voice of constitutional libertarian thought,
3: mm-hmm. a pro-life constitutionalist. It's an interesting... He has an interesting... An interesting way about him. Very few, I find that very few people who have a conservative libertarian bent, uh, they tend to not do well in communicating their message to the masses for various reasons. Where, whereas I think Andrew Napolitano, Judge Napolitano here, uh, he is without without peer in communicating that idea, and he just he comes across as just such a schooled, intelligent individual.
2: He's because he's brilliant. He is a complete mastery of what he talks about. He mm-hmm. understands the law. Mm-hmm. He loves the law. Uh, he's taught it. He was selected, as as I recollect, the youngest superior court judge in New Jersey history. Wow. Uh, he's taught law for many, many years at Seton Hall in mm. other places. A long, long-storied career. The guy goes 25 hours a day. Not only is he on about every five minutes on Fox News. Anytime they have a legal matter, they bring him in. Mm-hmm. But he also... Uh, has uh, his own show called Brian and the Judge on satellite radio. Mm-hmm. He, he's
3: also got, what is it, Freedom Watch? Right? It's called
2: Freedom Watch. It's a new show he's doing. It comes on Wednesdays at 2 o'clock. If you go online at Fox News mm-hmm. uh, on their online shows, mm-hmm. uh, that to me is probably one of the only shows you should even bother watching on television yeah. is Freedom Watch. Future Quake On the internet.
3: And then some Freedom Watch.
2: If you want to take a break for two hours in your day, yeah. go catch or one hour and yeah. come back. But uh, he is... As I say at the beginning of this interview, a man of the hour, in that he has the right stuff, he has the ear of the people, he understands the right things, he hangs out with the right people. Mm -hmm. He is really a classic futurian. He gets what we're all about. Yeah. Uh, He's somebody who would have many of our listeners and many of our guests cheering, from Robert Hyde to William Grigg to a whole host of people who are Chuck Baldwin. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're all going to say, hear, hear, to what you're going to hear. But uh, Judge Napolitano, for whatever reason, is put at a time and a place with the right skills. that he has the most ears Mm -hmm. uh, that he can can spread this information to of anybody. Mm -hmm. And it was such a privilege to get him on this show.
3: You know, and he was just, gosh, he was just such a good, good, you know, good guy all the way around. I can't wait Mm -hmm. to And our listeners
2: are going to really hear that. Uh, He actually, on the day we recorded this interview, had nine interviews to record. Really? Uh, And he was supposed to be on the Glenn Beck show. Uh, Something happened. They had to cancel at the end of the week. They rescheduled him for Tuesday. He originally was going to have to cancel, and he overruled his handlers and insisted to come on our show. I don't know whether he was just so intimidated by the incredible wealth, power, and influence of Future Quake, or if he felt sorry for us Uh, and thought we were some poor slobs out there just trying. But for whatever, (laughs) he gave us a break. And, and sort of put us above a lot of other high-priority things you know to put I, us on here.
3: Yeah, you know, and and uh, one of the things that I, I sense from him is that he's got this natural kind of – you know, like
2: he is a human being. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Before I ever knew how brilliant he was on TV, his gregarious nature just came out. When mm-hmm. you hear him and you hear that that big deep laugh, mm-hmm. he is a guy who truly enjoys life. Mm-hmm. He evidently fully embraces life. And I'll tell you something else who that reminds me of is our dear friend Robert Hyde. Our friend Robert Hyde talks about incredibly impassioned, very important things, including things that really, really disturb him, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that are great concerns of his. But he has a full embrace of life where he can just laugh and fully enjoy the simple things in life.
3: Well, that's part of, I think that's part of what being one of the Lord's children is. It's all this, it's not somber Mm -hmm. 24 hours a day.
2: That's right. And it's a security. It's Mm -hmm. a security that we rest in the Lord. Mm -hmm. And our Lord even exhibited that during his ministry. He suffered greatly. Mm -hmm. His three and a half years of ministry here and, and his life before that but he could enjoy and rejoice at a wedding in Cana or wherever it was yeah. and is a hallmark of somebody who knows at the end it's all going to be good. And talk about good, we're going to bring in mm-hmm. our guest here and you're going to really enjoy Judge Andrew Napolitano and we're going to talk about his new book called Dred Scott's Revenge and talk about a whole nature of other things. Of uh, If any of you all listen regularly to Future Quick, you know that are important to us. It's a classic interview. Uh it's going to be followed in later part of the week by a Pastor Walt Mansfield that's going to have some other information that's mind blowing, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to tune in Wednesday to be able to get it. Yeah. But right now here's Andrew DePolitano, author of Dred Scott's Revenge, talking about the American legacy of racism and hope for freedom's future fulfillment. And then we'll be right back to discuss it further here on Future Quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Doctor Future
3: and I am Tom Bionic.
2: And we have a very, very special day today. Uh, I am thrilled to introduce to our fellow Futurians, Judge Andrew Napolitano, who needs no introduction to virtually (laughs) anyone here. Why hear a little audience in there? (laughs) Even in future Quake headquarters. Uh, But whom simply, I believe, is our nation's man of the hour, Uh, much like Churchill was before the war. And uh, one whom I think greatly embodies the principles that we emphasize weekly here on Future Quake, and whom is making great progress, uh, in, in my belief, at much effort, uh, to educate and expand the progress of freedom and the security of God's endowed human rights in our society. Welcome to the Future Quake, Doctor. Uh, well, uh, thank Palatine. you, Doctor Future, and thank you, Tom
4: Bionic. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. You have very, very unique and interesting names. <laughs>
2: you know, it's not the first time we've been told that.
1: <laughs> uh,
4: so,
2: so this is not another run-of-the-mill show you normally, uh. Coming no, on?
4: not at all. If this were my club room, I would ask you to
1: spell bionic,
2: though. <laughs> uh, we, we've always considered ourselves extremely mainstream, but I hope we're not too bland and vanilla for your taste today. Uh, your your precious time is, uh, is is very precious with us, and I'm so grateful that you have sacrificed for us, and I want our listeners to know that uh, in, in providing your time here. But I know it's so brief that I'm going to dispense with our normal inquiry to your background, and I'm going to defer our listeners uh, to finding that out online, which there's ample information about. Uh, to to begin our discussions and to jump right in, I want to uh, jump into to your new book that's just out called Dred Scott's Revenge, which discusses the history of American society and the law regarding slavery and minority re- race relations, and how it exposes the dark side of, of what we know as the American dream. Uh, this subject uh, and its findings here, you know, might erroneously seem to be some to be a departure for you in terms of the political leanings to which uh, you were thought maybe to be sympathetic. But they will learn, the readers, that the pursuit of a free and civil society that embraces truth in an unbiased fashion is a sword that cuts both ways, to the left and to the right. Wouldn't you agree with me? Well,
4: uh, I would. I mean, the whole purpose of the Declaration of Independence, which proclaims that our rights are inalienable, and the Constitution of the United States, which doesn't grant liberty – but restrains the government from interfering with liberty and Mm -hmm. requires the government to protect it. The whole purpose of those two documents is a recognition of the triumph of natural rights over the positive law, natural rights being, of course, the gifts from God. We were created in his image and likeness. He is perfectly free, and he has established such extraordinary free will in us that we have the, the free will to do wrong but we also have the same natural yearnings to think as we wish, to say what we think, to publish what we say, to travel, to worship as we see fit, to have personal intimacy with an adult of our choosing. These are natural rights which the government is required to recognize. The problem is that most people in government, though they may claim they believe in natural rights, in fact do not. And believe in a troublesome, troublesome doctrine called positivism, which basically stands for the proposition that the law is whatever the government says it is. So if a majority were to say there is no freedom of speech or there is no freedom of worship or there is no right to travel or there is no right to privacy, then those rights would not exist. But under our system of law, under the Declaration of Independence, under the Constitution, and the oaths that our public officials have taken to uphold the Constitution, we have rights whether the government recognizes them or not.
1: Right. Yeah. One
4: of the greatest examples, perhaps the most horrific example of the violation of those rights, is when the free will of blacks was suspended under slavery by the Congress by the legislatures of the states.
2: Well, I I want to comment on that as as we delve into your book here because it's a well-researched book, which I know we would expect from you. Uh, It will shock everyone, just like it did me in reviewing it, because it reveals some historical facts uh, that you can go into, that some of our most sacred figures and institutions, uh, amazing information we'll find out about them, that's shameful that was not taught to us in our school textbooks. Can you give us a brief capsule of the scope of your newest book and what it was intended to accomplish?
4: Well, sure. I mean, the, the book is intended to trace the path of the paths of African Americans uh, in United States in the United States history from the uh, forcible introduction of slaves up to the election of uh, Barack Obama as President of the United
5: States.
1: Hmm. And
4: it basically shows how for the first 150 years of their uh, presence here, for the most part, most of them were enslaved because the same government which preached the natural law the same government which was born under the theory that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights the same government whose constitution said no person shall be deprived of life liberty or property without due process of law the same human beings that offered their lives their fortunes and their sacred honors to preserve the natural rights of white people did not do the same for blacks and it wasn't until the 1970s that the vestiges of slavery and Jim Crow all the evils that the two of them spawned began to be uh, eradicated uh, the book traces African Americans from the slave trade through slavery through the revolutionary period through the Civil War through Reconstruction through official federal and state segregation and repression of black rights up to the Civil Rights Movement uh, of the 60s and the 70s and up to the present day there are two very interesting chapters. One is on racial rhetoric and how both parties have used racial rhetoric mm. to their advantage. And my favorite chapter is simply called Baseball, and uh, it shows what a, a single, two single, free human beings, a guy named Branch Rickey who owned the Brooklyn Dodgers and a guy named Jackie Robinson were able to do, notwithstanding the government, and make enormous strides in black-white uh, relations. The the boogeyman in this book is the government. A government whose whose principal function it has been since July Fourth, seventeen seventy-six, to preserve and protect the natural law, has knowingly and willingly rejected that function, and uh, but, it is it is my purpose in the book to expose all of that.
2: But that also is a government government made of individual compromised individuals, of which we all can be at some time. Correct? Well, absolutely. I mean, no,
4: none of us is perfect. Look,
2: my. My favorite
4: American president is Thomas Jefferson. He is still my favorite president, even though we now know that he uh, had a slave as a mistress and probably fathered about seven children uh, with her. He's the greatest president because he understood the primacy of the individual over the state and the primacy of the state over uh, the federal government better than any other president did. And it was he who wrote that all men are created equal. But he couldn't possibly have meant by the word men what we mean today because he didn't consider blacks to be men in that uh, in that uh, concept. Mm-hmm. When, when the famous Dred Scott case was heard before the Supreme Court, and Dred Scott is a slave it was taken to a free state by a series of masters and files a lawsuit claiming that he should therefore be free, and the case goes up and down and up and down the courts, and it finally gets to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court could have said, Once a slave, always a slave. The Supreme Court could have said, uh, once you're set free, you are perpetually free. Instead, the Supreme Court said, blacks are not persons, and therefore they don't have the rights to bring a lawsuit. Now, that was the most horrific potential outcome of that case. It basically permitted legislatures to enslave free blacks in the North because if they weren't persons, then they weren't entitled to any of the protections of the Constitution.
2: Right. The yeah.
4: revenge in the title is the, uh, the 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 view that that a righteous God was so so uh, wishing to punish a society that would declare people non-persons. That he permitted us to visit the misery of our race relations upon ourselves, which only now have begun to dissipate.
2: Well, and I find it interesting when you mention about Thomas Jefferson and others wrestling with the definition of who a person is. Those things are imprinted by our parents, our schools, and our educational system. And if that shouldn't impress upon people how critical that is... For the functioning of a healthy society, I don't know what does. Uh, there's something I want to bring up. Uh, the, the irony of the subject matter of this book is that it explores one of the greatest issues in the history of our nation, that significantly impacted people of faith, uh, like those who primarily listen to our show, uh, mostly representing a segment of evangelicals here who are true seekers and lovers of freedom and respect for others and self-determination, and our desire to seek the individual pursuit of God's truth and holiness voluntarily, in a free and uncoerced society. As every generation has wrestled with this issue, Christians have responded in several ways, from ignoring the issue, uh, considering it a distraction from the mission of spreading the gospel, and I'm talking about this whole the, the whole race issue, uh, questioning the political motives and sympathies of those Christians who addressed it, uh, believing in the biblical endorsement of government's authority and deference to how they were addressing it in the government, uh, to those who actively have been engaged in the fray, a great personal loss, to protect these suffering souls as an agent of Christ's mission to set the captives free. So we have a whole range of response of people of faith that have been confronted with these great issues of society. No you know, question while, about it. while the race issue is obviously still with us, in terms of young black men who migrate straight from the ghetto to our prisons in large percentages and the breakdown of the African American family unit and its virtues, which has resulted in teen pregnancy, single parents and poverty, do you also see an additional parallel to, to this topic in your book for people of faith today as they now wrestle with the issue of lawfully confronting our government and its officials when they do unlawful things. And well, today we reckless abandon. Uh, like, uh, for example, coercing people today to deprive them of their civil rights of every nature, from confinement to search and seizure to confiscation of property, and even deprive our states of their authority and jurisdiction. Can Christians learn... From what history has shown us regarding what we did right and wrong over time regarding race based civil rights by people and groups, as evidenced uh, in the outcome over time, and does it shed light on what the true virtuous positions we should take today in the challenges that we now face? Well, the,
4: the short answer is yes. The, the, lo- the longer <laughs> That's answer is. a lot is, shorter uh, than my question. The, the, same, the same perverse logic. Uh, by which the Supreme Court of the United States declared that blacks were not persons, also prevails in Roe v. Wade in our lifetimes, in mm-hmm. which babies in the womb are declared non persons. And that perverse logic can be used by any minority that is disliked by the majority for whatever reason. Last week, Janet Napolitano, no relation to your <laughs> humble guest. <laughs> issued a report in her capacity as the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security saying that skinheads and race-based haters were right-wing extremists who are a threat to our society, a statement that is arguably true. Unfortunately, she also lumped in as equally dangerous and equally as right-wing extremists, pro-life folks, pro-gun folks, which means you must be uh, taking into account five of the nine members of the Supreme Court, people who are concerned about immigration, veterans returning from uh, from the wars, and people who are concerned about the size and
2: scope of the federal government. Now, I think Tom when I, when I think when I and I were listed when, by name in there as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, they actually when held
3: I, our pictures up at yeah, the press I think, conference. I think we're
2: well, I'm proud to be in that group as well, but <laughs> when
4: I complained... Uh, about this I mean it was met with great applause by a lot of my colleagues uh, in the media all across the media and then one of my conservative Republican colleagues said to me well if you're not in the media how would she know that you were pro-life pro-gun in favor of questioning federal authority and I would say well did you forget that her agents can write their own search warrants without having to go to a judge. What do you mean, my friends would say?
1: Yeah. Her
4: agents can get your medical bills, your hospital bills, your grocery lists, the books you took out of the library, your telephone bills, every keystroke you've ever touched on your computer by giving themselves authority to do so. Well, where did they get this from? From the Republican president and the Republican yeah. Congress that gave us that abomination, the Patriot Act because the Patriot Act lets them do that. Now, why do I say all this? I say all this because the lesson of Dred Scott's revenge is a government that thinks it can do whatever is popular at the moment to an unpopular or, or politically impotent minority, and what it did to African Americans in our history, can do to an unpopular or impotent minority today. Now, Thomas Aquinas... Uh, told us about the difference between just laws and unjust laws. Mm -hmm. And he argued that there is an affirmative duty to disobey, a duty to disobey unjust laws. That an unjust law, in fact, is
2: no law at all. Is that just like how a jury can nullify an unjust law? It is how a jury can nullify, but if, for example, the President of the United States
4: were to declare someone an enemy combatant because the person were really his political opponent, it would be the duty of freedom lovers to protect and preserve and even hide that person from the government, just as courageous people hid runaway slaves Uh, under a system in which slavery at the time was lawful from those who were looking for the slaves because that would clearly be an unjust law. A law that punishes speech is an unjust law because the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law and by the 14th Amendment the states shall make no law interfering with the freedom of speech. So So this is my long answer to your question. The lesson of the book is an affirmative duty under the judeo-Christian rubric of right and wrong, of natural law versus positive law,
2: to disobey unjust laws: We're back here at Futurequake with
3: Dr. Future and Tom. I'm kind of wild, Bionic. You mean by me? Oh, I, you shouldn't tell me that well you know I, I, I will I will wax you know a little bit a little bit uh, uh, philosophic here about you. you know
2: I, I know you really meant the guest though.
3: yeah, I, I did mean the guest, and Andrew Napolitano is an incredible speaker uh but you were you're a great interviewer as well nah. yeah, yeah no 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 you I'll,
2: know I, I really wanted to get some stuff out there i probably just dominate stuff too much my no, talk but no, I think really he, want his perspective on where we come
3: from and what we've learned cumulatively on our show well i'm glad that he made the point about the inalienable rights being uh given given by god and not the government
2: the state can only take them away
3: yeah the state the state does not grant rights god grants those rights and the and the constitution just recognizes that we have those rights. That's right. And, that's right. And that's that's the central point. And it's inter. The the other interesting thing is he talked about the fact that, uh, uh you know, since 1776, you know, there's been a contingent of our government that has been, you know, uh, emboldened to try and get rid of those rights, right, and and bring us down and bring us into some kind of a, you know, I don't know socialistic chokehold or something.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know what you find about people like him, Chuck Baldwin, Ron Paul, um, Robert Hyde, William Gregg, all the same cast of characters, is that when you present them with an issue in society, they have a well-defined worldview and mm-hmm. understanding of the priorities of mm-hmm. how the world is ordered, and it gives them a ready understanding of what the proper solution is. Whereas we see th- even conservative... Uh, liberal others, basically they look on a case-by-case basis and sort of, well, mm-hmm. I've supported a little bit of this, this sounds good, that doesn't sound good. They're wishy-washy, well, sure, and they just sort of wash around in these different things because they don't have any firm foundation. To base well,
3: it's, a classic logical, it's a classic logical fallacy of truth being relative, right? And mm-hmm. if truth is always relative, then you can take things on a case-by-case basis. But even people who can,
2: can, can have religious views, Christian views, mm-hmm. can still be awash
3: in it. Well, sure. That's again. That's uh, that's. Uh, uh, I think that's a that's a logical fallacy in in one's thinking. There's and a
2: lot of Christians out there that don't see any problem with torture. That's true. Now, including probably many of our listeners. Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, that's why they listen to Future Quake. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, at least They're they like used to. Being tortured, at you least know? they used to. Oh, thank you. It's, I get it now. Yeah. But but you know what I'm saying. Uh, the people that we have on our show that have a consistent framework of mm-hmm. how to interpret things—sure, those are the people we need to be listening to. Well, even when they say things that are unpopular to people, it's true, or, it, it's true, and that's, now, i don't mean like Chairman Mao in that. I wouldn't go to well, like any ideology.
3: Well, it's it's an unfortunate it's an unfortunate thing that in our society over the last ninety or so years that truth has been systematically kind of eroded so much so that Alan Bloom in his book. Uh, the closing of the American mind makes the statement that he says when he, when he approached his students and saying, and said truth is relative, they said he looked at him like he was a witch.
2: <laughs> well, speaking of Chairman Mao or a witch, we need to bring in Merv <laughs> to tell people how to contact us here at Future Quake.
6: Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got like five seconds. All right, I'm done. Come back tomorrow, round two with Judge Napolitano. Until
2: then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day.
0: Spa Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake. Nothing can change the shape of things.
1: Nothing can change the shape
3: Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, not really a fan of the Dred Scott decision at all, bionic.
2: You know, speaking of this, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, it's great to have you back again here for uh, day two of our earth-shaking interview with Judge Andrew Napolitano. Uh, But I'm getting more and more emails from people who are, and I don't know why, are fans of your middle names. Because they're funny? It just irritates me (laughs) to death, (laughs) but I don't know why. Sorry. If they had to sit here in the booth with you, they'd probably have a different view.
3: Well, I know. That's because, like, you know, I always come from work and, you know, my hygiene is a little suspect.
2: Well, yeah, I didn't want to get into that here. Yeah, okay. Sorry, man. Thank goodness we don't have smell-o-vision here. Yeah.
3: Well, a face built for radio and a body built for a lounge chair.
2: <laughs> but you're a hard-working man. Right? Oh, gosh. You're yeah, a yeah, hard-working, hard-working blue, man. Hard-working oh. blue-collar <laughs> man. Yeah, I would call you the typical good old boy.
3: Yeah, that who goes and works on a farm in the day and at night, yeah. uh, you know, uses integration by parts parts to find the nth degree of, you know, mm-hmm. manifolds. Yeah, I'd say
2: typical good old boy. Geometry. Speaking of good old boys, what have you thought about Judge Andrew Napolitano
3: so far? Well, I thought that, you know, what I really love about all of our all of our my favorite guests, they go back and they state their foundational. Mm-hmm. Ideas you know uh you know we talked about a little bit yesterday about he said the thing about inalienable rights, you know God gave us these mm-hmm. rights, government can only recognize them and take them away, and he started there and then moved into the framework of the uh the dred scott decision uh now a lot of our a lot of our listeners has probably heard of the Dred Scott decision, but the idea was is that this this uh this you know slave owner moved from the south to the north and moved to a couple of different places. Uh, where slave ownership was was by turns legal and not legal, mm-hmm. and uh, the Dred Scott idea, the Dred Scott decision was, uh, are these people do these do these people have rights once they move to the north or do they not? And mm-hmm. the uh, the the Supreme Court's decision at the time was they don't have a right to make a case because they're not people, which so is, they
2: couldn't even come before the court which and is, plead yeah, their case. which is
3: by far the the worst outcome mm-hmm. you could possibly think of. Um.
2: And I thought that was interesting when he talked about Thomas Jefferson, who, again, was his favorite favorite president for a whole lot of reasons. But even he admits he had some major, major shortcomings mm-hmm. And that for whatever reason, cultural or whatever reason, as for the great thinker he was, he didn't realize the idea that just because your skin color was different, mm-hmm. that you weren't just as much endowed with your creator with these rights. Yeah. Because, you know, I have to ask people, wh- wh- where do you think people of different... Colors come from if it's not from the same creator as as us. If you're racist about somebody of a different color, you know. Well, and there's and who 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 knows what what our our heavenly father. Well, it's know, interesting. It's we all inter- reflect him equally.
3: It seems so innate. Well, we could do a we could do an entire show on this, but really, uh, the roots of you know certainly racism has sort of transpired throughout history and cultures and times. But really, you see racism. Uh, getting a really a breath of fresh air with the dark, the dark fulfillments of the eugenics project. You know, right. with uh, uh, Margaret Sanger mm-hmm. and that. A lot of people don't know that. Parent- That's where
2: the scientists get to come in and show their racism.
3: Yeah, you know, the, and a lot of people don't know that Planned Parenthood really grew out of the National Eugenics Society of America. Right. Um, Margaret and, Sanger.
2: Yep. Who who was just a, uh, really spoken well of by uh, Hillary Clinton just the mm-hmm. other day? A few days oh, ago. and
3: well, and and you know the natural the natural outflow of the eugenics movement, of course, was you know Adolf Hitler and the Holocaust. Right. Uh, that's really it, taken it to a state sanctioned level, mm-hmm. which is sort of what we're seeing. The end game, you might say. Yes. Of where they want very to much it. so. You know, and it, a lot of people don't know. You know, go to futurequake. And there's a there's a there's a uh Do you a, recommend the writer over there? He's a little nutty, but he's okay. okay. Um there's a there's an article there that lists um it's called about Timothy Timothy Geithner, uh and it lists all the people who were in, involved in the eugenics project and the eugenics movement. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of the people was was John Maynard Keynes, who was sort of the, mod, the modern thinker of the the idea of being able to stimulate an economy, mm-hmm. to uh, bring it out of social chaos, you know, or, mm-hmm. or you know, financial chaos, and and he wasn't just a little bit of a eugenics eugenics person either. He was the treasurer of the Cambridge Eugenics Society. Right. You know. Well, Thomas Edison
2: was big involved in mm-hmm. it. Henry People, Ford. Henry Ford. Adolf Hitler. Uh, Woodrow Wilson. Teddy Make, Roosevelt. Makes you wonder these guys are all hanging together like that. They had to agree on some other mm-hmm. things, too, even though they didn't show it in the public sure. sector.
3: Yeah, George Bernard Shaw, a huge eugenicist, very big in it.
2: Well, you know, I find shows like ours and some other activities like ours are trying to undis- discover these things. In fact, we have brave souls who actually uncover the stuff that we yeah. just report on. Mm-hmm. But we're starting to actually realize that what we learned in school it's, is not the real story. Very, of what's very going far, on.
3: very, very far from reality. And
2: shame on Christians. One, one for not knowing, and two, for not having a zeal. Mm-hmm. To want to lead the way and know the real truth, because yes. Jesus says he's the way, the truth and the life, mm-hmm. and if anybody should be evidence of a truth seeker it 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 as to opposed a, to an ambivalent seeker it
3: needs to be a Christian needs yeah. to be a Christian mm-hmm.
2: and I hope that's something that all of us out there, the Futurians and mm-hmm. all of us in this booth take seriously. Well, we need to take uh, Judge Andrew Depolitano seriously for the second segment, yeah. so hey, with he no looks further kind due, of a tough guy, I don't know if I'd wanna
3: you know not take
2: him well, seriously. he would give us lawful, lawful due process after he. Clean our yeah. clocks. <laughs> uh, with no further ado, here's Judge Andrew Napolitano, the author of Dred Scott's Revenge, talking about the American legacy of racism and hopes for freedom's future fulfillment. And we'll be right back to wrap it up here on FutureQuake. We we have debated the uh, issue regarding Romans chapter 13 because we we really cling to the Bible as mm-hmm. our as our word and testimony voluntarily uh, of our course of action and in, in faith and there's been a big debate in the evangelical circles about obeying authorities and does that mean obeying whatever person happens to set in the office at of the time and what they say and we have argued here that the actual governing authority in our land is the U.S. Constitution, and when those office holders uh, disobey their oath to the Constitution, they, in effect, become lawbreakers, and it becomes our duty to God as well as to our fellow citizens to resist those who are lawbreakers in society, and it looks to me like you've even widened the circle further that there is a natural law that was simply reflected in the Constitution that also is a natural law that's established by God in what we are endowed that we have to be accountable to as our ultimate authority, correct? Well, I agree with you.
4: Now, because we want to get arrested and render ourselves uh, fruitless in this high tech society where right. the government can monitor monitor every moment. Mm-hmm. If you have a car that was made uh, that, that was manufactured after 1995, the government knows wherever you drive it. If you have a have a cell phone that was uh, that was manufactured after 2008, the government knows everywhere you go if that when that cell phone is in your pocket. So this is this is not the Underground Railroad where we can hide slaves uh, for, for months or years. This, this isn't even some uh, courageous uh, Christians hiding Jews from the Nazis, because we have an all-knowing, all-watching, 1984-like Big Brother government. So one resists the government, not by violating its laws and getting prosecuted, right. but by pushing the candidacy of those who will return the government to its rightful place, by arguing that there really is very difference between a Republican version of big government and a Democratic version of big government. There is only the collectivists and the statists on one hand, versus the people who love the natural law and believe that the human being, the individual, because everyone has an immortal soul, is superior to the artificial creation of the state on the other.
2: Well, I, I hate to tell you, Judge, but probably one of your favorite Republicans, Arlen Specter, has switched sides today. So I hope that hasn't broken your paradigm and worldview. I hope it still well, it's not. not
4: broken my paradigm, but it will make it <laughs> a lot easier for the Democrats to get their way, at least until
2: there's a, well, uh, at least until there's a midterm uh, election. That, that's true. But you, and, and I also want to clarify, as you just did, that if if people of faith and of all citizens would merely take the means, the lawful means, at their disposal to make their voice be heard. There are a range of means uh, how they vote in the uh, in the election booth, uh, how they choose to make their voice be heard in whether it's protests or marches or other statements that they make, educating their fellow uh, people, having people listen to shows like this, or Freedom Watch, your show on television. These are all active steps that are in full compliance with our laws as they exist, but they're still effective means if we take those actions. And and in fact, uh, that that sort of relates to the book that you did prior to this one called A Nation of Sheep, which is, I understand, focused on how we have changed as Americans in our cozy, comfortable suburban lives and have grown complacent in our diligence in safeguarding freedom and encroachment of government. And as a result, our governments have grown uh, tyrannical and and are stealing the freedoms our forefathers sacrificed for right under our noses. Uh,
4: Absolutely. Look, I mean, virtually every president from George Washington to George Bush and and Barack Obama have spent more time evading and avoiding the Constitution than they have complying with it. I I mean, think about it. The government hates freedom. Mm-hmm. because when people exercise freedom, it's an obstacle to the government. It means that they have to. we have the right to know what the government is doing, that we have the right to criticize the government, to challenge it, and to change it if we want. The government will do everything it can, including break the criminal laws that it has sworn to uphold, in order to interfere with our freedom. Mm-hmm. People like us who make a, 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 a vocation out of exposing the government's excesses and pointing out every single time we can when the government violates uh, our freedom, need to draw more and more people to our side so that they understand the insidious nature of when the government breaks its own laws, then nobody's liberty or property is safe. And Dred Scott's revenge shows the greatest, the worst, the most outrageous examples of government law-breaking in the history of the world, which is the enslavement Of innocent human beings on the basis of their race.
2: And I strongly encourage all of our listeners to please get Dred Scott's Revenge, but also the whole pantheon of books from Judge Napolitano is essential reading. Uh, Just please get the whole bulk set uh, so you actually have awareness. And I would suggest you have your Bible right there on top of it to be able to reflect on the truths in those Mm -hmm. books based upon the truth we see in the Word of God as well, too. And I think you're going to find the template uh, lays over extremely well in uh, what we teach and how we apply the eternal principles we have in a civil society, including uh, our interaction with people who have differing views than we have. We've talked about this with Chuck Baldwin on our show many times, is that people should trust those of faith, of a Judeo-Christian faith background. Those outside those realms should trust us to defend their rights as well and their rights for self-determination and for their own self-discovery of truth in its own way. We should be people found uh, of that point to do that. Uh, you know, I, I understand that uh, we can't reasonably expect to have you on the show too often or we'd have you back every week, but, but considering your, your other commitments that you have, including your wonderful show, Freedom Watch, uh, which, which is about the only show that uh, we can recommend a future quake that people bother to watch, by the way. Uh, can you share with us... Your understandings uh, beyond what you've just done—any specifics of the greatest specific threats our society faces in the near future? Can, can you put your put your finger on some particular ones? Uh, sure. That we need I, to address? I I
4: I think that the Bush administration, uh, George W. Bush, not his father,
1: mm-hmm.
4: uh, used fear to trash the Constitution to gain for itself the power to strike at our civil liberties, uh, speech privacy, security in the home, security of conversation, the right to be left alone. I believe the Obama administration will use fear uh, to strike at our economic liberties. They will enact enact national health care in the next three weeks while the swine flu pandemic is around, as if the government would be more protective of our bodies than individuals in consultation with their doctors could be. They'll enact sweeping legislation which will, uh, which will bring about Soviet-style central planning because of the fear of continued recession, as if borrowing and spending will solve a problem caused by too much borrowing and spending. Uh, they, will, they will bring us to a position where private property is regulated by the government, and that should be called by its well-known name of fascism. Which is what Mussolini and Hitler did—private ownership, but uh, but government regulation. Mm-hmm. These people seem to have forgot that Mussolini and Hitler had dreadful endings, and fascism went away uh, with them. But they're starting it all over here, and of course, eventually, the 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 uh, the goal of this administration. And again, I'm a Ron Paul libertarian who believes that an African American in the White House can possibly put the bad racial experiences behind us, but I believe the goal of this administration is forced egalitarianism, forced equality. You can't get too rich, but we won't let you stay too poor. They will bring down hardworking and wealthy people by trying to bring up non-hardworking and poor people. It has never worked in history. So those are the fears that I have, Joe.
2: Okay. Well, well. having said that, what can our listeners do, both in just broad guidance you can give and some specific actions they can take to best meet these challenges that you've laid before? They have to
4: find people like Ron Paul and Rand Paul. They have to find independents who've thrown in their noses at the two-party system. We need to elect people to Congress and to the state legislatures uh, that will radically challenge the two-party system. We badly need term limits. We have to turn these people out of office uh, after uh, one or two terms uh, in office. We have to continually rotate power uh, through American individuals. We need ci- citizen legislators, not uh, full-time uh, politicians. I mean, if we don't, if we don't do this, then our liberties are doomed. Jefferson lamented towards the end of his life that it seems to be the natural order of things. And he said this in 1826, not in 2009. It seems to be the natural order of things for government to grow and liberty to decrease. Unfortunately, he's right. But if we elect the right people to office, if states threaten to nullify federal legislation, if states threaten to secede, if states threaten to call a constitutional convention, the Congress will be forced to take note
2: mm. oh. Those are points well taken, and those yeah. are the kind of things we talk about on our show regularly.
4: Uh, I mean, we would start by abolishing the 16th Amendment, which is the Income tax, and that would starve the federal government out of doing about 85% of what it does. We'd get rid of the 17th Amendment, which is the popular election of senators. Then they wouldn't appeal to interest groups. They would only appeal to the state governments that sent them there, and that would radically reduce the scope of uh, federal of, uh, of, uh, activity and we wouldn't let anybody hold an office more than one or two terms so that there was a continuous flow and movement of power out of people's hands and into other people's hands those are the practical things that can be done but none of them can be done overnight none of them can be done if people are complacent and none of them can be done unless we all love freedom more than we love security
2: well i'd like to point out to our listeners that people of faith uh, have several common bonds that puts them at an advantage in this challenge. One is we have a common frame of reference of our belief of what right and wrong is and its source. We have a common uh, framework of information that we know that we can bond ourselves with. We also associate ourselves in independent groups where we can get together and talk and see what we can do for, for the, the best merits of our society. So I think we have a responsibility of leadership, not in a dominionist, neocon kind of way, but in a true freedom-loving kind of way to set the example and earn the respect of our uh, our fellow citizens in society. Uh, if I had one request I could ask of you, uh, Judge Napolitano, if I had one request fulfilled, it would be uh, uh, for me to see you fulfill your manifest destiny and uh, <laughs> give to freedom-loving people of this land a real choice that we could be inspired by in either 2010 or 2012. Uh, we have been uh, blessed recently uh, to be aware of and to be able to support uh, visionary giants like Ron Paul, uh, whose son recently announced his possible Senate candidacy on our show, and Dr. Chuck Baldwin, who has been a recurring guest on our show in the, in the last election cycle, who we supported, uh, even though we all got added to the MIAC and DHS terror list as a result. But I think <laughs> providence may be resting on your shoulders this time around, and I don't know who else is better equipped for the task and whom I trust with the reins of government power over my life. Uh, would you consider fulfilling your destiny in such a manner in the near future? Oh,
4: um, I, I have a contract that I do with, with my, my bosses at
2: Fox. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're extremely you're, you're very,
4: you're, you're very generous and gracious uh, to put me in the category of those great people. And I uh, and I thank you for it but well, I, right now I I'm happy you, doing what I'm doing
2: I mentioned you in the uh, you know in the in the guise of Churchill and his influence and I meant Ward Churchill I didn't mean uh, Winston no Churchill. you're <laughs> a <sinker. laughs> no uh, no seriously hey we won that case well that's true oh, okay. that is true alright alright you and only mean, got a dollar in dollars we didn't a well you got a dollar more than most people yeah. the right. uh, the uh, you know we're extremely powerful in media, m- media Tom Bionic and I and we can have one phone call with Roger Ells and all that is taken care of out of the way you guys are something, it's right now, help me sell this book, we'll get our ideas I, out there I understand, but, but the, the other last corollary request, if, if you'll chew on that a little bit uh, with me is if you decide for a running mate, I've already picked that for you, uh, I wanted to see you add William Grigg to your ticket uh, or at least have him as a regular guest on your Freedom Watch show which is something I heartily encourage everybody to listen to. Yeah. You can listen to Freedom Watch even here in Nashville online before you uh, catch the four o'clock quake show every day on WENO. Uh, William Gregg is a visionary and a brilliant man who's cut from the same cloth as you, and he's a beloved guest on our show. I didn't know if you were familiar with William Gregg and his uh, wife. I am
4: not familiar with him, but I will. I will make myself.
2: You. you I, I you must it.
4: run on to other. Duties. I can't thank you enough, Doctor Future and Professor Bionic. Uh,
2: As as Tom, would you, as closing, I want to thank you for coming with us today, and would you. Tell us what you uh, plan on doing in the future, and how our listeners can follow your work and get your publications, including Dred Scott's Revenge. Well, they can get
4: almost everything I do at foxnews.com. dot com. They can uh, listen to my, the podcast of my radio show. They can they can log on to uh, Freedom Watch almost any time they want, which is now archived on foxnews.com. dot com. It's also everywhere else on uh, on YouTube.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah.
4: And. Um, uh, I, I also write regularly for LewRockwell.com. dot com and get a yes. lot of my things there.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well please check in William Grigg, his pro Libertati blog. You will love and you yeah. will just rejoice over it. But uh, you're welcome back any you can find time in your schedule and your next book out as well too. We will promote it aggressively here. And I tell you we have an army of tens of thousands of futurians. We're growing by twenty to twenty five percent a month on this show on our listenership. We added forty thousand listeners just last week with a new network on. So we are growing we understand where you're coming from. We're people of faith who understand what you're saying and teaching, and we just need more instruction, guidance and your thoughts. Uh, to well, help thank you very way.
4: much. It's very flattering to share the uh, microphones with you
2: and and your wonderful listeners. Well, God bless you. We're watching out here and cheering for you. Thank you. Bye bye. Hey, okay,
3: thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: All right, we're back at Futurequake with Doctor Future and Tom.
3: I've just hit the jackpot, Bionic. Why is that? Well, it's because uh, we finally had this uh, this gentleman on Judge Andrew Napolitano, who's such a gifted speaker uh, that it's just like, wow, maybe somebody, maybe here's somebody that can get through whose strength yeah. of his message and strength of his communication and oratory abilities And consistency. Yeah, can finally get through to the masses and no longer will people look at me like I'm a complete weirdo when I start talking. Sure. You know? Sure. I go, Oh, well maybe he's just listening to Judge Andrew Napolitano when the truth is I'm just sort of standing on the same shoulders that Yeah.
2: Well, let me ask you a couple things maybe our listeners could do to help. If you really enjoyed this, Mm -hmm. uh, if you send an email to Judge Napolitano, either through Fox News or or through Freedom Watch, tell him that you really enjoyed him on our show and you'd love to hear him back again. Mm -hmm. Who knows, it might make its way to him, for all we know. Mm-hmm. And he might be aware of it. And the second thing uh, that you had mentioned, too, is that there is a uh, a place at the Freedom Watch website, if you go down inside it, where you can actually nominate people to be guests on his show. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned we'd like to see William Grigg, who's a dear friend of our show, on his show. We think they'd be a tremendous yeah. match together. In fact, they'd be sort of an undefeatable tag team. Yeah, it'd think. be
3: like it'd be like Batman and Robin or yeah, that's Superman right. and Superboy or... Mm-hmm. Peanut butter and jelly.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, or uh, Peabody and Sherman. Who? You know, from Bullwinkle.
3: Oh, from Mac- yeah, Rocky? yeah, of course. Of course. Uh,
2: but anyway, if you go on there, you get ten votes. So just load up, William Grigg. Yeah. I think if we have a hundred and eighty-two of our listeners go there and do it, we will put him on the top. And we would like to flex our future quake muscle to go Arr- in there and start Arr- pushing people around. <laughs> Oh, I hurt myself. To to try to make some of these kind of things happen. I think that would be the coolest thing in the world, and we could be a blessing mm-hmm. to Brother Will, and also be a blessing to all the listeners. Yeah. But I don't know what you felt, but I just thought it was an incredible pleasure, and it was a shot in the arm to have somebody like Judge Napolitano, yeah. first of all, take time from his ridiculously busy schedule to be with us.
3: Oh, I, feel, I felt he was very gracious, too. It was like... You know, because
2: he's comfortable in his own skin. Yeah. He knows who he is. He's secure. Mm-hmm. He knows what he believes and what he says. He's mm-hmm. not arrogant about it. Um, mm-hmm. He's a guy who can't be ten places at once. Mm-hmm. But um, But
3: he sure can do a lot of radio interviews in one day. Yeah. It's yeah, true, he, man. He that guy's all over the place.
2: And uh, maybe we'll push him to make it ten or eleven next time. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Maybe one day he'll be pleading to be on this show. We'll have him back. Maybe. Yeah, rather than know. vice versa. But I tell you, it's been wonderful. He he represents the kind of truth that we refer to. But, of course, ultimately our truth is in the Word of God mm-hmm. that comes via the Holy Spirit uh, directly from the throne of God is what we want. That's the ultimate truth. And that's always where we should seek it in God's Word and seeking Him. But uh, we're fighting. it's making a difference. The emails coming in we're going to talk about in tomorrow's Tremors on Friday Very good. are showing that, that people are getting it. Yep. People are getting it as we're trying to get it ourselves.
3: We're always trying to get it.
2: Well, I tell you who needs to get it is our friend Merv, who needs to come in and tell you all how to get emails to us. So here's Merv to tell you how.
6: Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Doctor Future and Tom Bionic at Doctor Future at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast.
0: Okay.
2: Time for Sayonara.
3: Uh, ciao, baby.
6: Tomorrow will be
2: such another magical journey. Uh, we have another friend of ours, Pastor Walt Mansfield, oh, gosh, is going really to talk about this. evidence of federal manipulation of pastors for population control. If you think you've heard something this week, you haven't heard anything yet. Yeah. Just wait for that. But until then, we hope your futures are bright. Have a good day.
0: Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake. quake.
6: Of to Welcome to the Future Quake
2: Show. I am Dr. Future.
3: And I am Tom, preparing to be in shock, Bionic.
2: And so will our listeners, because uh, for the next two days of Future Quake, we have Pastor Walt Mansfield, who is a pastor at Grace Shepherd Church in Bellefountain, Ohio. And he's going to be talking about what he uncovered back in 2006, uh, regarding evidence of federal manipulation of pastors for population control. Gosh. If you have not heard this, this will absolutely shock you what you hear, mm-hmm. and it's just a drop in the bucket of what's out there. But uh, any pastors out there, or if you can get this information to your pastor, I highly recommend it, What you're going to hear in the next two days. We have a very, very brave soul who's come forward. Uh, I was able to make contact, did a little investigative work to find out who this gentleman was, met him, he was brave enough to come on our show, we had to wait to just the right time, and now was the right time, and here we are uh, having avian bird flu emergency, Mm -hmm. and all this was stimulated by meeting. he went for the government to address avian bird flu crisis.
3: And we, you know, as we've seen, the government in the past has been sort of not terribly intense about holding our personal rights in regard, so this is just sort of possibly the next natural step in all this.
2: This is just the kind of show as well, is why Future Quakes here is to expose this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, If you understand fully what we talk about in this show, it will alarm you and hopefully call you to action. But with no further ado, uh, here's Pastor Walt Mansfield, and then we'll be right back to talk about it here on Future Quake.
3: Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, fizzy maestro bionic.
2: Yes, and we are back (laughs) again in a... A week of amazing guests with yet another amazing guest with some information that will amaze you. Uh, today we are talking to Pastor Walt Mansfield, who is the pastor of Grace Shepherd Church in Belfont, Ohio. Uh, and he's going to share with us some amazing information he was eyewitness to, as well as some of his perspective on uh, what he witnessed. And we're going to talk about evidence of federal manipulation of pastors for population control. It's an interview that you're not going to forget. And uh, Pastor Mansfield, I just want to tell you I'm so happy to finally be able to schedule you and get you on the Future Quake radio show.
5: Dr. future it's great to
2: be here, trust me. Well, Tom and I both are, are thrilled to have you here. Yeah. And this topic is just the kind of topic of why we do this show and why we think it's so important to get the word out. And I just appreciate uh, you being willing to do that. I have wanted to hear your direct testimony here for some time on our show because I think it will have a compelling impact on our listeners and in particular those uh, who are the clergy that listen. We have a number of clergymen who listen. And those uh, who will be given copies of this interview as well, which I hope all of our futurians out there will do uh, with this I- interview afterwards, that you'll download it and give it to your own pastors and clergy as well, as well as anyone else you know. Uh, the, the The fact uh, that what you will share with us uh, uh, here, uh, I, I think, is is quite uh, providential, uh, that the time that, you, that uh, we got together exactly today to do this, uh, because of... Uh, Everything that's going on right now with the avian bird flu uh, issue uh, that's going on, uh, I think that's what precipitated your uh, original meeting, uh, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But now we're here, we're going through the, the possibly the real McCoy with avian bird flu, uh, and that's going to make it very relevant what we're talking bit, uh, about today. And uh, this is uh, pertaining to a meeting that you went through, I believe, back in 2006, correct?
5: That's right, 2006.
2: Well, I just want to, again, thank you for your heroic efforts to bring this information to our brothers and sisters and fellow citizens. Uh, And and back again today in our interview, uh, very similar to those brave law enforcement uh, whistleblowers who exposed the uh, infamous MIAC report just recently. And uh, those of us out there really rely on people like yourself being brave and looking out for us and laying this information. And that's a message out to other futurians, other listeners out there, that when you become privy to information uh, that you feel could imperil or jeopardize your fellow citizens. We are counting on you. Our, our government is not going to uh, do things on our behalf for this, and we all need to count on each other, and it means we, we need to take some heroic efforts It may yeah. take some risk. Uh, to begin our discussion today, could you please share with our listeners just a little bit about your background so they can understand your credentials as a uh, respected and trustworthy clergyman in the community?
5: Sure. I, uh, <clears throat> I've been a pastor for uh, a little over 37 years uh, in that time period. It was a youth pastor, associate pastor, also a senior pastor. If you can call a senior pastor, the pastor of a 40-member church. I guess I am a senior pastor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, uh. Uh, but I've done all that and uh, for, for years. Had a four-year break at one point when I knew God was through with the ministry I was in, and I just resigned. I didn't go put out resumes. I just did something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, worst four years of my life, but I did it anyway, and God uh, graciously opened a pulpit for me. And from there, it's been just a godsend for the last 10 years. Um, but um, um, I've, I've been to school. I've graduated. I've um, I've attended uh, umpteen conferences, uh, not as a speaker, but as a listener and one to be educated. Um, self-taught in a lot of theology, of course, like most pastors are. Yeah, the, the, uh, the continuing education has gone on for years. Uh, Through the grace and mercy of our Lord, through Bible study, through the things that that not directly shown me, but through other pastors and teachers, I've just been blessed. Uh, So I've been active in in the community here for years uh, through various activities, ministers, alliances. But uh, over the past three years, I've pretty much dropped out of those uh, because of what's happened uh, when I blew the whistle on FEMA. their.
2: so uh, let me make sure I understand this correct. You have been a longstanding pastor in your community for for how long at your current church?
5: Uh, been here eight years in this community, two years at a former church, so ten years in this community. I've been in California, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, North and South Carolina uh, as a pastor. Uh, so I've been pretty much all over and okay. settled in Ohio when I met a girl from Ohio. That's <laughs> how you get usually how you get up here.
2: Well, that's where Doctor <laughs> and Mrs. Future met each other. There's in Southern Ohio. Uh, just a few, right here. a few miles south of you there. So I want our okay. listeners to understand, when you hear this next shocking information, you're hearing the word from a well-established pastor that is well-respected in his community and has a responsibility for truth and representing the truth uh, in accordance to Jesus Christ and uh, in, in authority to him. And uh, so with that in mind, I, I want us to, to jump in. What, the, the shocking thing that you uh, witnessed here, you know, it's so funny that we hear the secular government and its apologists that you hear in the media wanting to reassert the mythical separation of church and state, which is a euphemism for not having the freedom-loving values of people of faith influence the protection of the rights of all citizens. Uh, I think there is some merit to having a separation, uh, particularly due to the fact that different, they have different kingdoms to answer to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are our ultimate authorities in the Kingdom of Heaven and the states in other matter uh, so so there is some plausibility in that, but mostly it 's to keep out our values of the innate value of man uh, out of the public discourse of those who w- who wish to dehumanize us uh, but uh, having said that uh, even though there 's some merit to that uh, it, in fact, the government is very interested in participating in the affairs of the church, yeah. and that 's what people forget they focus on. People of faith getting involved in the government, but the government has been very, very active in trying to get involved in the church's business. In Mm -hmm. fact, uh, just as a personal aside, I've mentioned this numerous times on our show. Um, Last summer, there was a religion and spirituality conference I spoke at in Montreal that was funded by both the United Nations and the World Council of Churches and promoted a new religion that was, uh, as they say, a midwife uh, for creating a new humanity for a new world order, according to their words. So we already have a joint uh, activity there uh, between both states. Uh, as recent evidence of this, you were invited by, I believe, 2006, to mm-hmm. attend a regional meeting in your area of pastors led by other government and civil officials. Can you tell us what that meeting was generally about and its purpose and scope? And then we're going to go into some detail about the specific contents. But can you give us just sort of the general framework of its purpose and the scope of yes, coverage?
5: Specifically, specifically, it was set up by FEMA. Uh, through our local, uh, EMA office, Emerging Management Agency office, uh, we were invited to come and hear a presentation on the need for, uh, clergy to be involved in disaster preparedness and disaster relief work, which sounded really good on the surface, so I went. There were only two of us in attendance that first meeting, and we immediately became members of the board, uh, which was exciting for me because, me. the idea was to bring clergy on board uh, to help out in disaster relief, but according to government rules. Uh, it pretty much stripped hmm. us of who we were as ministers and pastors. Um, and I've said this before on different interviews. I've said I was about ready to stand up then and walk out, but then decided I might gather some good information as to what this what, what this planned meeting is for. So generally it was about uh, inclu- the inclusion of clergy. Um, and after training, we would be credentialed, uh, badged and fingerprinted, and made a member of Citizens Corps. Uh, their, their religious aspect of Citizen Corps, to go to disaster sites for tornadoes, floods, and then the bottom line was in the event of a declared emergency. Uh, so I asked for clarification. declared emergency, according to FEMA, the people who are there training us, uh, was a declared emergency by the state, by the governor, or by the president in the event of declared martial law due to terrorism, acts of bioterrorism, especially where we live in the farm country. Uh, animals and crops, uh, we held there. The next question was how would clergy be able to help in that because you know, I don't have any credentials in that area. And it would be to uh, assist in controlling the population, uh, allying their fears, and getting them to follow the lead of, of, of the government. And they they uh, they, had, they said that clergy was ideal for that because we're already involved in the community, we're already respected, and we're trusted. And That's so right. our job was to prepare our which is, in the event of a declared emergency, and again, that would be martial laws, what they said, mm-hmm. a declared emergency, uh, to quell the so-called cowboy mentality, that is, and that's the words that was, used, that was used at the meeting, this individualistic idea that I can't be corralled, I can't be told what to do, for the good of the population, for the good of the community. So that, in a sense, in a, nut, in a nutshell
2: is okay. well,
5: Holy well. cow.
2: So, so that independent, freedom-loving cowboy mentality... It is, yeah. Uh, the, the the classic American spirit was the thing they wanted to squash. You know, this sounds like the ultimate uh, freedom or faith-based initiative, uh, like they've talked about, you know, the merging of religious organizations and the government, government money. Yeah. Um, there, there, there,
5: there are so many doors that they use to get into the church, and they're using so many now. And getting to the clergy, first off, and it appeals to the flesh because a lot of these pastors, especially where I live, uh, we are in competition. They are in competition for membership. There seems to be a, a zero-sum society mentality here that there's only a few people to pick from. And so the better credentials they have, the more involvement they do, the better programs they put on, the better their buildings look, they will they'll attract more people. And uh, I think this was part of it, to have a credentialed pastor in the pulpit All right. who would be prepared for disaster relief. And I think that appealed to a lot of guys because after that initial meeting, the attendance grew to over 30 people. So over maybe, 30, you expanded. And our community's small. You, you know, Logan County right. There's probably uh, probably 60 to 70 pastors in the area. Uh, so, That's a more yeah. Yeah, so a significant percentage. Yeah. Yes, A little, more than half would respond. So imagine a county uh, like Franklin County in where we're, millions. <laughs> you know, right. Millions yeah. in Atlanta. Millions in Dallas. How many? If you got 30 percent of that population, or even 10 percent. You're getting a lot of people involved in in this this type of work. That's exactly
2: right. And it makes me think that, you know, totalitarian governments are always envious of the church because (laughs) of the devotion that people have. To Absolutely. that, and they are very jealous they don 't like devotion to anyone else but to the state and that 's why, that's why you see uh, even communist systems that go after the church, even when the church is not preaching against it they 'll still go because they don 't want to tolerate divided loyalty, the same way yeah. in, in Hitler and the right fascism.
5: Yeah. You've
2: nailed it. And so they, they feel the same way there. They're envious of this influence, and they'd rather co-opt it. Uh, but, but before we jump to conclusions, people may think, oh, you're, you're, you're reading too much into this. Sure. Uh, but I have in my hands documents that I believe originated from this meeting that you're talking about, mm-hmm. and they are shocking if one sees beyond the very kind, cuddly veneer that's on it, uh, I mean, it sounds very innocuous. Obviously, you know, you know nation, if a community is in crisis from an event, you want everybody yeah. to pull together and work as one big team, and, you know, there's no I in team. We've all got to work together, and people of faith <laughs> want to be part of the answer, you know, and not part of the problem. So it all sounds very nice. It's just like a, I just went back and looked at one of these websites that pulls these groups together, and uh, their, their, new, um, their new report they have out now, I just saw recently, it was called Light Our Way. Uh, and it, it teaches spirituality. The, these are these are pseudo-government organizations that are teaching pastors and correcting them on what real spirituality is, and and how they really need to be leading people spiritually, which I always thought was the was the purpose of the church to do under Definitely. the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But they have now said that this is the uh, the issue of the state to help uh, people with that. Well, I, I'm going to list a few things. That I I saw some notes in the margins that were mentioned at this meeting as well as on the slides, and I'd like for you to comment on some of them if you don't mind Uh, because uh, I want people to use some discernment here what the real motives were behind what was said at this meeting and particularly in in view of what we see going on around us right now and the the fact that this was about a – Bird flu pandemic, a flu pandemic environment that, that initiated this meeting, and now we're going through this now makes this whole discussion really timely. And let me also say that this general information was also confirmed by uh, Louisiana television station KSLA, who did their own uh, on-air expose about this. So uh, having said that, uh, going through each of these, as, as, since you were an attendee of the meeting, th- they, they first began mentioning something called the Prayer of Tolerance, does that ring a bell with you? What that was all about? Yes, it does. You know, I mean,
5: I'm kind of smiling at it now,
2: but then I was just, I was
5: horrified at, at at these words. It was pretty much the same type of prayer that says, you know, if I can't make a change, then so be it. You know, it's probably not meant to be changed. Uh, I have to accept other people's uh, status of where they are in life. Um, you know, if you have the paperwork, I think you have in front of you. Uh, we were we were being instructed by government officials on how to preach instruction on how to interpret scripture how to um, exegete the passage of scripture especially Romans 13 Matthew 22 21 rendered to Caesar. we were being told what that meant from their eyes and if you've got the other documents there the things that just look appalling uh, one of the things we were supposed to do was uh, go back and psychoanalyze uh, and this is the term that was used through a pastor's eyes how a a, a, a pastor, a crisis response team member, uh, could respond to certain crises in the Scripture, and one of them was the fall between Adam and Eve. You know, how could this have been avoided if a pastor would have been in there? I'm serious. And 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 and, and how could pastors have come in and softened uh, the blow from God? These are the things they are teaching us. You know, and it's it, it's what every pastor runs into. Um, I think John MacArthur said it right when he said that most pastors, unfortunately, use the uh, three-step method in preaching a sermon. And it's called the textual method. They find the text, they read the text, and immediately That's what they're teaching us to do.
2: They immediately what, I'm sorry?
0: What's yeah, the third?
5: Well, was to immediately depart from the text. <laughs> oh, After God. they see that. Yeah, it's an epidemic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Find it, it, find it, read it, and forget it. And, right. Um, right. and what's so sad about it is a lot of pastors do that already. But now we're having the government come in. When I say the government, I mean FEMA was coming in, Department of Homeland Security was coming in, telling pastors that this is what, this is how you've got to see this. that you got to tell your right. congregation that they have to be lockstep. With the government in whatever they
2: do. Well, they were trying to help you because, as I understand it yeah. from the indication here, uh, they sort of have an opinion about where uh, mental health professionals fell in the pecking order versus pastors. Did, did, oh, yeah. they, did they not have a sense that uh, you weren't nearly as equipped to be helpful and understand the big picture as mental health professionals, and you needed to just basically send these people on to them, right? While they sure. were also helping you with interpreting these passages,
5: sure. They, were, they, they had us on site at a disaster uh, uh, plan, and, and they said, and you would say, I'm here on behalf of whatever agency you're there for, and uh, there are mental health professionals here to assist you. And that was a way of saying, we can't do the work. We can hold your hand, but we can't really get into the nitty gritty work. And uh, in our community, our county especially, Uh, That agency, the mental health agency that operates here in this county, has its fingers in the high schools and now the junior high schools with screening possible uh, teenage problems. They started with the bully thing. They learned everything else. Mm. But this is what they were talking about, mental health professionals on site who could actually do the real work because pastors only deal with this with the biblical things, with, with the Bible. Mm-hmm.
2: Things. Well, well, it sounds like it, to me old. they're not regarding that you have unique spiritual sources to no, be able I to mean, meet people. You, you're only a you, – you provide some kind of mental health and, and, and a very poor use of it at that that they have to rectify. So, sure. So, and, I think,
5: and, you know, the age-old thing, Dutch Future, is this, that a lot of pastors and churches want to be relevant so they get more secular. Yeah. We never really measure up to the real professionals in their eyes. Mm-hmm. They're always going to put us down, whether it be Hollywood and our movies and the music, we're just not the same as them. So in doing this, <laughs> I think the government really I think the government really caught it right this time when they said, "Well we'll just co-opt these pastors and make them think that they're finally part of a real team." And, uh, and I saw this it was mm-hmm. pretty comprehending. Yes, it's, it's terrifying, and it, uh, Hitler did it. Mussolini tried it. Yeah, but but, but Hitler succeeded at it, and, uh, and our government is no different than any other government. You right. know, our our initial thing is to wield the sword uh, for those who do evil. But when the government is doing evil, what, what you got left?
2: What what uh, now? What did these government people say about things like evangelism in Bible uh, reading, as far as the utility of it to help fellow citizens?
5: They said that uh, a cursory reading or a simple reading of the Bible passages of evangelism is not warranted at this time and, in fact, can do more harm than good. What? Uh, yeah, I want to say, and I think it's in print there. I didn't, I didn't have to write this in yeah, the Yeah, harmful was the word I saw. Yes, and it says, for we know, it pretty much one of these, for you already know, that the Bible has been used to justify all kinds of wrongs. Uh, so basically, that's a paraphrase what they say there. Yeah. The Bible's been used wrongly throughout the years. Uh, so that I, think, I ad- think
2: the words I saw here in the margins of quotation quotation mark Scripture has been used to oppress and dominate. Yes.
1: Exactly. And, and
2: and the other guidance you were given to to help you out as a pastor is you need to use less scripture, more yes. love and tolerance.
5: Absolutely and uh because they they already see that uh false dichotomy as between uh church and government they see a false dichotomy between the secular and spiritual that you know there's gods and there's everybody else's, that
1: mm-hmm.
5: uh, we can't really bring the bible to bear on real issues
2: well you might inadvertently read a passage like he whom the sun set free is free indeed and that would be <laughs> counterproductive to their agenda yeah. if they 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 found out what it truly meant to be free when the sun sets one free Wisely put. Uh, uh, what about the, – the, they talked about, the, because of this uh, this uh, flu pandemic, about the need to set up something called community centers and some concept called social distancing. Th- th- those they, sound very innocuous. What's that all about?
5: I, I thought it was really interesting, and I, I, I did this at a conference once. They, they had changed – they stopped using the word relocation and even quarantine, and they changed it to social distancing – you know, social strata separating them from all these others. I thought that was rather unique to see that social dis- distancing part. Um, so now, the, were
2: lepers were lepers in the old, in the New Testament? Were they just socially distanced? Socially distanced. Yes. Okay, I understand. Nice. They, and
5: and what's interesting today, I I, I popped up on my Yahoo page, and the word was out that um, uh, North Carolina uh, was quote, involuntarily isolating. Uh, flu victims, and I like that involuntarily isolating, mm-hmm. they drop the quarantine word
1: yeah. because
5: it sounds too harsh. So you see the um, major networks have to say, well, major networks, those folks have to say about quarantine, see if they drop the Q word uh, for involuntarily isolating. Uh, I, I love that one. Social distancing sounds kind of mm-hmm. archaic, I guess, now even after three years. But involuntarily isolating, social distancing, not quarantine, it sounds a lot less harmful. And these, and these community centers is where the pastors would work, where the clergy would work. They stopped calling us pastors, um, I think the third time we went to the, uh, the, the meeting, they started referring to us as clergy,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
5: because at that time, this was about the same time it was going on in Louisiana, but uh, we didn't know about this time, that they already had these teams operate up and running. We thought it was all new to us, mm-hmm. uh, but they used the terms of clergy response teams. And uh, they call us clergy emergency response teams, C-E-R-T, but CERT was an acronym already taken for something else.
2: Well, you uh, know, pastor has a connotation of authority and responsibility to a flock, to, sure. be true, to be true and honest to them and to look out for the best interest. What, what clergy sort of sounds like something that you could take on and off the shelf and use as needed. Uh, but, but, but pastor is something that has its own individual responsibility over a group of people, again, which is something else which is, uh, offensive to the state. I find it interesting this use of euphemisms that they're throwing out. It's much like using the word, uh, fetus instead of baby, uh, or human life, or, you know, in terminating a pregnancy. Uh, mm-hmm. rather than killing a human life. The, 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 this is the common trait, and we can go back and look to Hitler. He had a whole arsenal of these kind of words that he used, uh, particularly when he started coming to, to power to get rid of undesirable, like people who had mental handicaps, uh, other things like this. They, they, they used their eugenics approach, and, and they had all sorts of nice words for population control and, and things like this, that, uh, that
3: that's just a, a handprint of what happens when the state gets involved. All right, we're back here at FutureQuake with Dr. Future. And Tom still picking my jaw up off the floor, mm-hmm. bionic.
2: So you found some of this information of interest?
3: Uh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a superlative that adequately describes just how shocked I was at all this stuff. Uh, I had written a brief little blurb. And we're only halfway through it. I know. I, I had written a brief little blurb at, at the FutureQuake radio radio uh uh, blog about you know the KSLA report and how they had these things, but this is uncovers an unprecedented, just incredible level to this whole thing.
2: Well, and like I was saying, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think uh, this is what this, he's uncovered.
3: Well, anybody, I mean, anybody who any pastor who participates in this is in violation of their very oath before God.
2: Well, they're going to have to start deciding where they're going to fall, and now is the day where it's starting to happen. Well, it's interesting. Now, they you know. may have done that on good motives, you know, and feel like they're trying to just help people in the neighborhood. Nuts. Well, speaking of nuts, we need to bring Merv in so he can tell you how to contact us here at Future Quake,
6: Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. during the radio broadcast
2: Okay, we gotta go, we're running late Okay, out Okay, Ladies and gentlemen, we hope you enjoy the show Hear the amazing second half to this And until then, we hope your future's very bright Have a good day
0: Dank-a-vel. Join us next time As we dare to experience another aftershock Of a future quake, quake.
2: Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Future Quake Show.
3: I am Dr. Future. And I am... Just stumped. stumped. Gosh, this whole Can't show... Can't believe
2: it. I look forward to this day when you
3: down. This, this, folks, we're talking today about, uh, uh, with uh, Pastor Walt Manfield talking about uh, the federal mali- manipulation of pastors for population control.
2: That was my line.
3: Well, tough. Too bad.
2: It's If you heard yesterday, I think you understand just a glimpse of what you're in for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it keeps going on, and we talk about uh, what Pastor Mansfield actually experienced in 2006 at a meeting organized by FEMA and other civic groups to basically co-op pastors to put words in their mouth regarding scripture, regarding counseling, and also something that would basically pit them against the public uh, for their own betterment in times of crisis. At mm-hmm. uh, it, it, first level, it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like something very benign. But if you have any kind of discernment and you find out the the sinister motives behind yeah. it.
3: Yeah, they're saying stuff in the report like, uh, sometimes giving Bible verses is not good.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, we typically don't stand for that position here.
3: Oh, uh, pretty much exactly the opposite.
2: Yeah. Well, we need to let uh, uh, Pastor Walt come in and speak for himself. So, no further ado, here's Pastor Walt Mansfield, and we'll be right back to discuss it further here on Future Quake. Now, there was another interesting program they announced there that uh, was fascinating called, they called it Pills in People's Hands in 24 Hours. Yes, I
5: was hoping you'd get to that one. What? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's and, uh, and, that, and that meeting was, the, um, was a county emergency – I forget the name of that meeting. It's been so long ago. Um, but it was the uh, countywide disaster plan headed up by the um, what we call our, I guess, our, our uh, medical attorney general here in the county, our, our, our health doctor. Um, he said that the government has a program called Pills in People's Palms within 48 hours, and that meant that each large county – in each state, would have a supply of medicines uh, and not at hospitals but at commonly uh, known drug stores. Um, they openly said Walgreens uh, here, at, here at that meeting and said that that would be a center for the distribution of pills. The point is, it's this what they're doing right now. If you get on the Internet now, just pull up a Yahoo page or MSN or whatever you use, the uh, the so-called news has it that there's a panic in America now over the swine flu, and uh, they're looking at getting medication as fast as they can into the population's hands. And you watch, they will have something already implemented to get those medications out. You won't be going to your local doctor. It will be community centers. There will be places to go to. This I've known this since 2006. Most people have since 2006. It's been three years in the planning and making, and Homeland Security is, if not foolish, they've been on top of this forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Um, so th- so this, this will take place, and it will be a great relief to people because, you know, the first thing you do is you throw the fear in the population, and the first thing the population wants is relief from the government.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
5: are you going to do something for us? And I think we were pretty much led by the nose over Katrina to expect the government to do something for us. Um, people like us uh, uh rant and raved about that we shouldn't do the government but shouldn't rely on the government but people uh on the news and congress were all saying well, let's better improve the service system. And so that's what people rely on. I think
1: uh,
2: Pastor, now. Pastor Mansfield, um uh, yes. we're we're having some signal problems here, which is normally what happens when we have things of a strong spiritual component to it that are that are of a, a very important message. So if you could just slow down a little bit in your speech, I think we can overcome some um, of this uh, transmission speed issue. Okay. Fine. Uh, Something I just want to mention real quick, too, uh, here you were talking about something that's very, very true, is that um, these emergencies work well for the sake of the government because people quit asking hard questions, and they look to the government as their sugar daddy to get them out of the immediate crisis yeah. Uh, it 's just like Rahm Emanuel just said he said, uh, Never let a good crisis go to waste uh, <laughs> yeah. that he said, but you know to me, I see it as sort of a form of that an institutional form of that disease of Munchausen 's disease by proxy where where it's it 's an emotional <laughs> deranged disease where 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 women are actually caught poisoning their children yeah. and actually making their children ill, so then those children are needy and they meet their own psychosis or psychological derived need uh, of neediness from the children and I feel like that's the way our institutions operate they they create a lot of these environments sometimes they're caught red handed uh, things that create these crises but Mm -hmm. then we we go back and we have to make ourselves dependent upon them and and both of them are depraved and and they need to be exposed because they're extremely dangerous Um, now however since you were involved you and the other people who were there were told that you could get some extra benefits, couldn't you, if you cooperated and you worked with the Citizens' Corps that they announced? What, what's, what special benefits did you get over the regular public?
5: Well, those, those pastors uh, and, of course, now civilians who signed up for this kind of work uh, would be members of Citizen Corps. They would be the first in line for any type of vaccinations or medications. Uh, they would be ahead of the population. That was made very clear at the um, general meeting here in town, and also the the uh, local EMA meetings, that there'd be a benefit to signing up. That with that with that uh, raised right hand taking the pledge, that sure you you and your family would both be covered.
2: So so you had to take an oath. Uh, normally you would just take an oath to the Lord to service, but you had to take an oath to do the wills and wishes of this group if you stayed involved. Regardless of what your conscience said, but in exchange for that, they could buy you off with your concern for your own family and children. And and, you know, I would think most pastors basically have their own family sacrificed for the sake of their ministry. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a lot, a lot of pastors' families, unfortunately, uh, that that pay a price because a pastor is called to their flock. And to assist their flock, and, and I think there needs to be compromise on this. But this is directly trying to undermine a relationship between a pastor and his immediate family
6: absolutely. and trying
2: to tempt them Gosh, this is, to, do, to do things that are insidious for the sake of, of protecting their own family.
5: Well, you, you used the right word, insidious. Um, I sat there listening to this and seeing that you, know, you don't have to read between the lines too much. Uh, but once the group grew into the full training time of, of the 30, I think there's 30, 31 men who were there, um, you get to see their faces and promises. And most of the guys are nodding their heads going, this is great, this is good, because, you know, finally pastors are getting perks. And the reality is, you're not, we're not getting a perk from the government. It's just one more nail in our coffin, one more ring in our nose, whatever analogy you want to use, to guide us into what they want us to do. Uh, so, it's very frightening to see the relationship being built between the government and the church. Uh, it used to be old line liberal churches that would give in to this. Uh, but I think more and more people are beginning to see that, uh, pastors are beginning to see that there are more disasters, at least on the news, there's more information out there. So, something has to be done. Mm-hmm. And we're being told constantly the church is not relevant anymore. So, instead of running back to the basics of Scripture, and teaching the truth and getting the gospel to change lives, you know, pastors are jumping ship and taking their whole congregations with them into something just like this.
2: That's right. Well, I wonder if some of the more modern pastors even know Scripture enough to know what they're getting into, yeah, or even kidding. if they have God's Spirit with them to guide them to know what's, what's going on, how they're being deceived. It reminds me of the, the Quislings and the ones yeah. who's, who supported Vichy France, who sold out their own people to mm-hmm. do the yeah. whims of these people in the state. Uh, couldn't even look these people in the eye because they'd sold them out for the betterment of their families. Exactly. And now we have pastors. No wonder we don't get good preaching from the pulpits of most churches (laughs) because there's no backbone, no consideration. We have gentlemen like like, uh, Chuck Baldwin on who knows his Bible backwards and forwards and stands strong for what he knows is right and wrong, and many others like him. And, and then we have all these other masses of pastors. You know, their names ought to be published in the newspaper and circulated in every church. Mm-hmm. They, they need to be known. And, in fact, I know recently in the news someone inquired of uh, one particular uh, religious group called the Worldwide Church of God mm-hmm. and asked how many of their pastors had signed up to this program, and that institution refused to divulge that information. Yes. They refuse to let that know, and to me, that is an indication of guilt right there. Now, there is one thing as far as privacy goes, but if a pastor is is out in the public service signing up to a public state organization, but they're so secretive that they don't want anyone to know, then that should tell us all we need to know about, about them and what they're doing.
1: Well, it
5: also shows you how devious um, the uh, system is that actually co-ops pastors into doing something like this. It also lets you know what, what that particular denomination or church affiliation uh, wants to hide. They know something's wrong with this. They know something's terribly wrong with this because it's out. It's all over the place, and uh, yet they want to hide it from their membership. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've challenged our church a number of times. You know, If I'm doing something in the public you don't like, let me know.
1: Mm-hmm. And
5: it's never been anything uh, bad. If I, I was a member of one pastor's group, and uh, they became very ecumenical. And one of my guys pulled me aside and says, I have a problem, pastor. Uh, how can you sit at the same table with people who profess a different type of gospel? And I had my last breakfast, so that was my last meeting. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I get encouraged wow. with. You know, right. and I love something like that. You know, there are a number of people out there who want a pastor, who want a church that's doing the right thing. And the problem is uh, the only ones you hear, read about, make the front pages, mm-hmm. get seen, are those who are cowtowing down to the government.
2: Well, you know, if, if we were entering the last days, uh, we're that's going to discover tares that have been sold amongst the wheat. That's right. I'm not naming individual names right now, but just don't be surprised if we start seeing the Lord's the one who will expose them. But we will start seeing those tears out, and it's, there are going to be some people that we're going to be shocked to find out uh, that have not been part of the wheat and part of the fruit uh, of the Lord at that time. And by the way, what you just shared about this is corroborated with the gentleman who was our former co-host here on Future Quake. Mm-hmm. He was actually invited. He was a former clergyman in Tennessee, was invited to an identical kind of meeting in Tennessee by another clergyman uh, with the same group, and was he was told the same offering. That he would be offered preference for food and medicine if they cooperated with this group, which totally corroborates your story. And he was not aware of you. He was not aware of what you were doing. Uh, I just mentioned a few random words about it. He says, oh, that sounds like that group I was invited to go to. So I I know our our listeners are probably, it's defying their logic to think that it's gone this far. Uh, But but it's real. But there's more to it. Were, Were there any indications in this meeting about what pastors were supposed to do if there's an emergency? And people are not willing to leave their animals behind, or let the government take them, or leave their farm, or whatever. Uh, what were what were pastors expected to do d- during those events, and also even beforehand, and how they would talk to their congregations before an emergency would happen?
5: Sure, we were we were instructed, we were told that one of the things we could do is, is prepare, lay the groundwork for our congregations. To obey the government officials, and they brought up Romans 13, and uh, this very familiar passage of Scripture: "Be in subjection to the governing authorities." By some translations, and um, they interpreted that to be because the government says it, it must be right. If your government says not to do it, it must be wrong. Uh, those are the words they use. So, kind of like soften up the ground in your congregations. They would go. They would go into the community. Your church members would. And begin to tell their neighbors and their families and their coworkers that uh, you know we should obey the government. We might disagree with them, but they know what's best for us.
2: So they wanted you to do that ahead of time before the crisis. Yes,
5: yeah, so and they kept using uh, they kept using an August 29th deadline back in '96,
2: and I didn't or two, things, 2006, you mean?
5: 2006, right. right? And 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 the, the problem was that um, nothing was going to happen at that point. But that's when they wanted all the plans in for the counties. Well, that's been three years, almost three years now. Uh, so the groundwork has been laid. I don't know how many pastors are actually preaching what they want them to preach, but I can tell you this. Once a pastor goes there and hears these words, who's not schooled, who's not spirit-filled, uh, who doesn't know his Bible, uh, he'll preach what sounds good or what he thinks is popular.
2: Right. That's
1: mm. and- <laughs> well, idea.
5: And he'll be
2: seduced by, by high-level officials who will probably pander to him. And yeah, it'll raise his esteem in the community by, by sure. doing that. Um, sure. The, yeah, I I you know I already know already we're hearing these messages. And I hope our listeners we, – we've had a lot of our our very sincere listeners who have sat on the fence and really wrestled in a very honest way over how to interpret that passage, whether it means we need to do everything the government says or not. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that one thing they factor in is what you've just shared with us, is mm-hmm. to know – who are the people promoting the obey the government at all costs these are the That's same people that point. produced Adolf Hitler that yeah. uh, Joseph Stalin all of these other people and, and they are the ones telling you God tells you you need to do what I tell you to do mm-hmm. uh, with Nebuchadnezzar whoever you might want to put on the old the, the old yeah. list so sure. you factor that into your determination of where you fall uh, in line with this um, now they talked about what was going to be expected to occur in the pandemic? Do you recollect anything as far as how much it was going to affect society and and, uh, what we might see from that, from their estimates?
5: If I remember, I've got some of the notes in front of me. Um, They saw a breakdown in basic structure uh, and how how the clergy could help with this. They knew there'd be a panic in the food stores, over the food stores, not having enough supplies coming in. Uh, once the roads are closed to a particular area, travel is limited or restricted. Uh, only official uh, trucks, only official movement would be allowed. And they said, uh, you know, your local Kroger truck, which is our grocery store up here, uh, would not be traveling the roads as often, so the food supply would be down. Uh, basically, necessities would stop. If people became sick, the water treatment plants would probably stop operating or run to a capacity, so you had to cut back on your water usage. They hit everything that would really uh, affect all of the food, water, and clothing
2: and shelter. The notes Um, notes I had written down was in the pandemic they expected. They thought one-third of all people would be ill. They based them on the the numbers from your county. One one in six would need medical attention. One in 30 would be hospitalized. And one out of every 40 would die. From this. And that I I saw in the notes they were written that the coroner actually spoke there about the need to find large real estate for mass graves. Right. For this, which is what we hear going on right now in reports all over the country right now about all sorts of places being bought for mass burial coffins, large plots of land. I know it was debated not long ago in Seattle uh, Mm -hmm. in a public hearing about how, how people could even bury their people in their own backyard.
5: Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely.
2: Now, now something else I heard them say, too, on here, was that that they recommended that people store, and this is from the government, that you store at least three months of food and provisions in your house, if not more.
5: That's
2: right. Now, that's consistent. We we had an actual FEMA, uh, 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 Dr. Riley on our show, uh, who was with our local FEMA group, that said the exact same thing, to expect three months or more of possible uh, containment in your own home which actually would be better than if they sent you to some centralized place with, with Lord knows who to want. But, uh, but th- this is serious business they're talking about here.
5: Right. And, and, and the whole premise is, is that who calls the emergency and on what information are we basing this emergency? And that was always my question. Who made a determination that this would be a time to shut things down? I mean, uh, New York has already canceled school uh, because a rumor got out there were hundreds of kids sick. Uh, well, that may be, um, but, uh, you know, it's good to quarantine yourself if you're sick. You stay home from work, don't you? It makes sense. Uh, but who's going to call it, you know, the no public assembly? Um, I mean, they barely did this over 9-11. I mean, the day it happened, they didn't call off all community programs. Um, but when something like this happens, you know, this is, a, this is a time when the government can make a major power grab. You,
2: and, you're not supposed and to ask those questions. You're supposed no, to trust it, the government. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's been reported, and I, I know in in some of the papers that I had that they had hoped to have pastors in every single county in the country, thousands of counties, already signed up uh, with signed up with a, a platoons of pastors. So this is wide widespread of people who signed yeah. over, just like the Hitler Youth. They've they've signed, have taken the oath. They signed up to take over what the bidding is of the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and use their pastorhood and their calling from the Lord as a tool for the state to accomplish the state objectives.
5: Exactly. You know, let me give you a real quick illustration. We have a lady in our church who's uh, just a patriot, just a wonderful uh, got a speeding ticket on her way to church one speeding ticket on her way to church one Sunday, and she wrote a letter and said, I'm on a fixed income. I can't pay the fine. So how much is my time in jail? and so uh she wasn't protesting she was just asking the question so the judge in a letter reduced her fine and and said pay what you can up to this point and she did one of the guys in our church pulled her aside and said you're setting a bad example to the young people because you cannot question the authorities yes you cannot question the authorities they wouldn't have given you a ticket if you've not been in the wrong, she goes. I'm just saying we live in a representative government. We can question. Well, he questioned her on this, and I had to go in and fill a little dispute between the two by bringing him to scripture and showing him that Romans 13 clearly teaches that the role of the government is to be the one is to is to bring wrath upon those who practice evil. Uh, that's the that's the fourth verse of Romans 13 that no one ever gets to, All uh, right. and when the government ceases to come up against evil and it is evil itself, then what do you do at that point when they do something that's clearly wrong? Now, this lady's traffic find, uh she was speeding, she admitted it, but I said, what happens when the government is doing something clearly illegal? And the statement pretty much was, it's the government we're not supposed to question. And uh, so we had those types for a while. Wow. But these people live in our society. And you, know, you and I and, and Tom have crossed the line here. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I use the phrase, we've jumped over that cliff. There's no going back. We've the Rubicon.
2: No- we've crossed it. Yeah, well,
5: we've as, it. We're over it. As
2: long as the Internet, and they're trying to shut it down, and they're trying to use oh. this Fair Talk Act to stop the radio shows like this, there'll be a day when, unless you've downloaded these shows and kept them quietly away, you won't have this information. <laughs> Um. If
5: You are familiar with the Cybersecurity Act of 2009 that um, Senators Rockefeller and Olympia Snow put, put out mm. uh, have put for the floor, that in the event of declared emergency, there's a phrase again, the president can suspend Internet access. Uh, so, you know, you're exactly right. It's, it's, it's going to happen at some point. Uh, it's already being tested. It has been proven with cell phones. You can shut cell phone systems out in an area to prevent so-called terrorist um, executing bombs at that point right. with cell phones. Well, everybody says that sounds great. Well, what's the next step then? Uh, how far do we go with this? Uh, well, all
2: everything. We're, get, we're coming to the last two or three minutes, and okay. there's some more questions that we won't have time for because I, I just will want you to come back on the show if you're willing to. Okay. But I want to ask you a real quick question. There's been rumors out about FEMA having prepared a book of sermons. For pastors. Have you heard anything about this? Do you suspect there's any truth to that?
5: Oh, I I assume there is. I'm out of the loop completely. Um, I can't get any access to much, but other people can. Uh, People who are listening to this right now can simply call their local EMA office and ask if there's anything that they can get their pastor to help them prepare for a declared emergency. Use that phrase, a declared emergency, and FEMA, the local office, will be willing to give you any information. So that may be in there, but the suggestion on how to preach, yes, that is, that's out there already.
2: Well, I would li- I'd like to take that as a challenge for all our Futurians listening. <laughs> Try that. Try that, and let's see what happens. And, and, and Tom Bionic going to try that. Keep us here at uh, DrFutureFutureQuake.com or Tom Bionic at FutureQuake.com. Let us know what you find out. Let's compare notes, and we will shine the light as best as we can on what's going on. One last quick question, if you can answer this in a minute or so. Uh, having said all this, do you think Christians should be – I know this seems uh, obvious, but I want you to comment. Why do you think Christians should be suspicions of the actions and motives of our government? And if so, what should we do about it?
5: Well, if, if I can use a quote from a, from, a, from a movie, you remember Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I think right. People have seen that one. They're on the helicopter. Um, the, um, Richard Dreyfus is trying to tell the people it's a fake. The Army's lying about this. And one lady doesn't take off her mask because she's afraid she'll die. She says, look, if the Army doesn't want us here, then it's none of our business. And I think Christians have to understand it is our business to get into this world and make a difference. Mm-hmm. We, Jesus didn't say to be salt and light. He said we are salt and light. We have no choice. So once we come up against the evil, we have to come out and come up against it. It doesn't matter who it is or what it is. Uh, he didn't. He didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring a sword. And he listed mothers and fathers and children and, and wives and husbands. Uh, there'd be a, there'd be a, a difference right there. We're going to cause trouble. Uh, it just uh, it, it's dangerous mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and real conditions can lead to real
2: change mm-hmm. And it's
5: going to be a struggle We have no well, choices
2: Well, Pastor Mansfield, I just want to tell you That uh, I, I hereby nominate and induct you Into the Futurian yeah, Hall, Hall of, of honor, and, honor and Heroism Yeah, And hero. would you please come back again And share with us some more in the future About your observations And what you're finding out as well
5: I am blessed, thank
2: you well, and I just want to thank you so much for your brave... I hope you set the example for other people that need to come forward and tell us what they're hearing, and all of us take a stand. You know, we take a stand here out on public radio. People know where we are in these things. They they know where to come get us, but this is this is where the Lord would have us to be. And I thank you so much for your willingness to serve the body of Christ and our fellow citizens in this way.
5: God bless what you do.
2: Well... Please keep us posted, and we're counting on you, Pastor. We're counting on you to keep an eye out for us and other kindred spirits like yourself. Amen. Thank you. Well,
3: God bless you, and please come back again soon on our show.
2: I sure will. All right. We're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future.
3: And a guy that is just absolutely stunned. His name is Tom Bionic.
2: Well, I hope you all appreciate Pastor Walt. Pray for him. Uh, yeah. Pray that he would be unmolested where he is and that maybe he could find out more information. you all who are pastors, see if you can find out more about this. Mm -hmm. Uh, He mentioned about if you actually signed up and said that you wanted to help out for declared emergencies. Yeah,
3: you can call the local FEMA office, he says, and request uh, information on sermons for declared emergencies. And they'll be happy to send you whatever they want.
2: Well, uh, and we want you to know how you can notify us once you find out. So
3: here's Merv to tell you how you can contact us.
6: Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast.
2: Okay, we really got to go. I'm out. I'm tomorrow's done. tomorrow's tremors. We look forward to hearing what you all have to say about this week's shows, but catch the news segment tomorrow. Till then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day.
0: Right, join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake.
3: Welcome to the Friday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, all fired up because of, for various reasons, bionic. (laughs)
2: <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I thought you were going to get stuck I'm, there for a minute. I'm fired
3: up. Nope. Don't well, get
2: stuck. I'm like jello. It's time for me to ask you about what it means because it's Friday, and I have to confess, and I really don't know why, there are some Futurians out there that actually enjoy hearing what your answer is going to be. Okay. Well... Not in the booth, but out in the listening audience. So, <laughs> it's Friday. What is it? Today? It's,
3: it's, it's lapdog day. Here at the Future Quake Studios. You're referring to, to Pyro Has joined dog. us. Our third member, Pyro. is in yeah, the Yeah, we got the, the I, silent partner, as it, as you will.
2: If he, if he had the mic there, he would say it's tomorrow's tremors or today's review of the future's news.
3: He kind of does have the mic, but instead he just chooses to sort of lay there. Yeah, and he's impediment. the smarter
2: of the three of us. Yes, indeed. He, he never puts his uh, paw in his mouth. Yeah. Like we do. Well, it's Friday, which, as we're saying, is a time for us to review the news mm-hmm. with an eye to the future. Uh, our regular institutional, which actually we should be institutionalized, our institutional view of the news from our future quake perspective. And yeah. particularly some stories that people may not be aware of. Indeed. Gives us a chance also to make some uh, important announcements because there's a whole lot of stuff going on with future quake. And Holy who knows cow. what the future holds until they finally shut us down mm-hmm. and we're loaded in the FEMA truck. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would say it was a earth-shaking week with our guests that we had this week.
3: Holy cow. This I mean, is, this
2: is one that ought to circulate around like, the planet a few times. I feel times. like
3: I could do like a whole show just on commentary about how deep the deception is both to the public at large over this thing and both, you know, like, I feel like these, I feel like these people are like putting on Peter's robes and then pulling like an Ananias and Sapphira. You know, they're just like... Lying to God. And
2: that's quite a mental picture.
3: Here we go. We're You're talking about
2: uh, the pastors who are cooperating with the government based upon what Pastor Mansfield talked about Wednesday and Thursday. hmm Yeah. That's that's something that we look forward to hearing what your comments are because we're finding so many of you all are kindred spirits with us and understanding what's going on. You may be learning the same time we are mm-hmm. in grasping these things or, or maybe you've been in onto it for a while. but. Mm-hmm. um we 're hoping that we can get more evidence, more information like that, other pastors, if you have any information like that you can get uh, we need to know what 's going on mm-hmm. and if you 're a pastor that that it concerns you what you see then you 're the kind of pastor that we respect mm-hmm. um, i got a few announcements to make, some really exciting things. one of the biggest yeah. ones impacting our show is that we were very graciously invited, and now we are formally part of an online network of Kindred Spirit radio shows mm-hmm. called the Revelations Radio Network. a mm-hmm. uh, host of, I believe, someone on the order of 22 different Internet-based talk shows that come from a biblical uh, background that focus on things like Bible prophecy, uh, New World Order, mm-hmm. uh, other kind of issues that we cover here. And uh, unbeknownst to us, even though uh, th- these shows get a tremendous uh, listenership in that network, I guess some of the folks over there had started listening to Future Quake and actually found that we were worthy to be part of the network. And, I am
3: uh, I am uh encouraged and you know I just feel really proud that they would think that we're worthy to be part of their their whole gig. Well, it's a, it, it's a very big compliment.
2: It's a huge compliment because these folks really know what's going on and and you'll find their work all over the internet and they're having a huge impact. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they would consider an anchor like us, I mean anchor in terms of like holding them back, <laughs> dragging them down, that <laughs> they would consider us to be on the network. amazing. Two people i like to meet that are mentioned that were uh, critical to this, and we've had the luxury and privilege of talking to since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is Chris White, mm-hmm. who, uh, who hosts the show Nowhere to Run, and uh, also is part of the Frank and Chris show, and Frank Lordy, I believe it's pronounced Lordy, L-O-R-D-I, mm-hmm. uh, who, who has his own show called Wise the Serpents, and mm-hmm. the other part of the Frank and Chris show. It's a live call-in show. Oh! But if you if you have already listened to the four-year archive of Future Quake and you can't get enough, or you'd like to hear more competent people talk, mm-hmm. then I would recommend you go over to Revelations Radio Network. Catch out catch Frank, Chris, anywhere the whole gang. These are kindred spirits. You'll even find. Um, the folks from uh, Peering into Darkness Radio, Pit Radio, yeah, are, some of are our, over there, some
3: of our buddies, yeah, that's
2: right. So uh, you, you'll you'll find uh, uh, Derek and Sharon Gilbert's show over there. It's also dearly beloved there. But uh, this is the kind of information that I think you'll relate to as well. And uh, you know, when you find a really uh, rotten show here on Future Quake, maybe you can find you some can good find stuff over there, better there. Yep. like ones where we're talking all the time. Uh, you'll find some good stuff there. But again, it's been a privilege. I, I uh, had a chance to do some indirect communications with uh, Brother Frank. He sent a uh, an actual MP3 audio introducing himself. Oh, great! And I'm finding we're, we're a lot of us are just right at the same point in life, same point in our, our knowledge of the Lord, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully we'll hold each other up. And the uh, an amazing thing is uh, Chris White, who again you sure want to recommend you check out his shows. Um, he actually, believe it or not, is here in Hendersonville. No. Yes, and uh, he is here in this area. I don't know what God's doing and putting us all here together. We've had some fellowship yeah, yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And some of our own circle of friends that we hang out with mm-hmm. here through our church fellowship. Mm-hmm. So good things are happening. So who knows what else is going on? Uh, you know, Chris Pinto's here in our neck of mm-hmm. the woods too at our church fellowship, and I'm more people have to on the way.
3: Like looking out for like FEMA infiltrators. They'll
2: church. have a dedicated truck. For those yeah, it'll of us just, here.
3: It'll just back up like yeah,
2: it'll be just like we'll carry on like normal, it'll just be the same gang. We'll yeah. just be in a stall log.
3: It's like, hey guys, what are you doing?
2: And just some barbed wire around will be yeah. the only difference. That's but good. hey, free food, you know? Mm-hmm. You look at it that way. Free free food and housing, mm-hmm. won't we'll have to worry about paying the rent when that day comes. True. So I just want to mention I that don't worry
3: about it most of the time anyway. <laughs> Give. A, <yeah. laughs>
2: Give a call out to Brother Frank and Brother Chris, and I just tell you, thank you so much for the privilege of being associated. One other really quick announcement was um, I was invited, and I think this was all pulled together by Brother Guy Malone, the uh, alien stranger who has been on our show in the past, and the guy who was the host of the amazing uh, Ancient of Days conferences at the Roswell UFO Festival. Uh, he has uh, arranged for all of the speakers of the Ancient of Days conference in Roswell this year, which includes you, yours truly, to appear on Russ Dizdar's uh, radio show, mm-hmm. uh, his live uh, on-air radio show, and uh, I, sh- the different authors should appear at different hours during the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm coming on at 11 o'clock Central Time or somewhere thereabouts, and I recommend you're going to hear a lot of other people, you know, that you know, like Heiser and Guy Malone and other people mm-hmm. popping in. Should be a lot of fun, sort of a party atmosphere. And maybe talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about. So if you want to have some fun, go over there mm-hmm. and uh, check out the gang. If you go to ShatterTheDarkness.net, you should find out some details for Pastor Rush's show, and I believe it's also on the Revelations Radio Network. Now well. you said that's
3: a Colin show, right?
2: Yeah, don't get any wise ideas, buddy. But yeah, I
3: got a good buddy of mine. His name is Ron Lyonic. Ron Lyonic. He
2: Ron might, Lyonic. He, might huh? he might
3: show up and. Huh.
2: Do y'all um, have some things in common.
3: Very similar. He's got a very similar sort of style of speech and diction. Uh-huh. And it's amazing. Well, and A lot
2: smarter, out.
3: Oh, very much more intelligent.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I would love to hear Ron Leonic yeah. uh, call in to the mm-hmm. show, as well as our other Futurians as well, yeah. too, and that's a chance for you to to sound off and uh, humiliate me on air. Um, we have a couple of emails I'd like to do real quick so we can get on to our okay. news is what we're known for. Mm-hmm. These are some classic ones, and i just like to show you all that if you all understand what's going on, but you feel like you're isolated out there, like... Hey, I understand where Doc and, and uh, Bionic are coming from, but it's just me out there. We're not alone. Uh, this is one that was sent from a fellow Futurian, Jeremiah, uh, who sent it in, and I just want to read a few points of his email. He says, Over the last few months, I've listened to nearly every archive Future Quake show through iTunes. I live in Albany, Oregon, uh, and heard your show because my wife found Red Moon Rising online, and I inevitably ended up with Future Cake-shaped Hook in my earlobes. You I may like want to
3: have that removed by a doctor. <laughs>
2: well, you know what's funny? Redmond Rising is like a juggernaut on the internet. People have no idea that no Peter kidding. Good Games. I mean, the, the the hits actually swamps the the ones that we think would be like the great big Christian plays online. Mm-hmm. It's like a sleeping giant. It's like that Tom Bombadil or whoever that guy is in the Lord of the Rings, you know, in the in the forest. Oh, yeah. He's real powerful. I don't know how you pronounce his name, but anyway. Uh, He says, uh, there have been many times over the last few months that I wanted to email letting you guys know that I appreciate the show, but I really want to listen to most everything first. Uh, Some of the content on Future Quick has caused me to repent about a few things. Mm -hmm. Uh, First of which, and I hope you don't mind me reading this, Jeremiah. I understood it was okay. Uh, First of which being that I had my name on the Republican ticket, and I can honestly say that I... I'm never voting so blindly again. The second, that I've repented of not thinking critically about issues that tend to get shoved down my throat. Uh, I'm always striving to be a Berean, and your show is sharpening me in that attitude toward everything in life, and not just toward Scripture, which is the most important to be certain. And let me just say that that's what we want to do with each other, too. Iron, sharpen iron. We want our futurians, or, you know, I'm the Ginsu that gets sharpened, the cubic (laughs) zirconium. Yeah. Uh, he says, I teach scriptures on a pretty regular basis, although I'm not a pastor. And one of the b- books I recently taught was the book of 2 Peter. In that book, we're given a great amount of advice on how to avoid deception. And as you guys tend to talk significantly about end times deception, I thought maybe it'd be handy for your listeners to get a good scriptural dose of what the Bible actually has to say about avoiding spiritual deception. The books of 2 Peter, 1 John, and Jude are exemplary studies on protection from spiritual poison. And... Uh, I would say, yeah. If if all else fails, and after you've listened to Future Quake, then you could go read scripture, I guess, for some insight. Yeah,
3: I think the exact opposite. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> the The only reason I suggested is simply due to how our relationship with Christ ought to be such through our love and knowledge of the Word that once uh, and that once humbled and complete submission to Christ, there is no way any deception could cause us to deny Christ, no matter what package it's wrapped in.
3: Yeah, go read your Bible and then come to Future Quake. Okay. That's what I meant. Okay. But I guess I should clarify that. Yeah.
2: That being said, there is much to be commended about your approach to be willing to discuss issues that most people shy from. I can appreciate it, even if I don't always agree with the conclusions drawn. Thank you so much for that, because we wouldn't expect anybody. You and I don't agree a lot of times on stuff, yeah. so we would expect we that. Do we even
3: like each other? Yeah, well, I mean, that's I don't know. still <laughs> out, that's still for
2: debate. I encourage you and Tom and Merv uh, to keep up the good work, and we'll pass on the word to Merv too. Yeah. Uh, light-hearted note: I must comment about William Grigg. If his mouth is a top hat, I just want to know where he gets all those white rabbits because <laughs> he pulls them out about every other sentence. I also completely encourage the uh, Merv ways. You know, the segues connected to Merv. They make me laugh every time when I fail. Poor, poor Merv. Yeah. He'll he appreciate the irritated. sympathy. Yeah, he says there's a topic. It seems like it would lend yourself to your show. Uh, And I have no no idea who to suggest as a speaker. And I'm sure, by the way, I'm sure nobody would be interested in this. but, But I've read about a bit of it on the Internet, and the topic is how the Smithsonian covered up the fact that there were thousands of burial mounds exhumed in the USA back in the 1800s where giants' bones were found all over the continent. The American Indians were also commonly quoted to talk about them as well. There's a great deal of information taken down about it. And I think the Ohio burial mounds are some of the big ones up where I used to live Yeah. and close to Pastor Walt. That's wow. one of the big ones uh, There was a great deal of information taken down about it But I've never heard him taught in schools From what I understand it is not talked about Because of political correctness Here's some of his favorites on the shows. Uh They sort of line up with us A lot a lot of you out there William Gregg, Peter Goodgame uh, Chuck Missler He yeah. says he listens to K House online almost every day David Lowe and Jerome Corsi uh, There's a few others but those are the ones that instantly came to mind And he says one last thing Dr. Future I want to say you're a great example of a guy Who is wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove yeah. I've not heard many like you, thanks. Tom, I greatly appreciate your middle names, and I laugh every time. You can't say that today's review is la-la-la thing, which I think that we experienced what is that?
3: today. What is that la-la-la thing?
2: Well, he has made like more sense I than what to, you do.
3: I need to do like a dance routine with a la-la-la thing. Well,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, I knew you wouldn't get the rest of us do, Tom. Even if Dr. Future chides you for it, I laugh harder over time. I also appreciate your sense of humor. Keep it up, por favor. In his grip, Jeremiah. All right. He says, just use my first name because I don't want any men in black showing up at Mikasa tomorrow. That's okay. I understand. They're coming anyway, by the way. We've given the men in black your last name, Jeremiah, so sorry about that. We have a
3: direct line to the MIB compound.
2: We have a deal sort of like the government has with the aliens, you know, where they allow them to pick up abductees in exchange for technology. We we're left alone by the Men in Black as long as we give them up, Futurians, now and then, a few of them for sacrifices. Yeah. So. Uh, there's another one. Do you, do you mind another one I can share real quick? Sure, man. Because he was just so cool. This is from Jacob uh, out there. A word of thanks and encouragement. This is this is still warm. It came in this morning. Hello, Dr. Future and Tom, friend of Merv Bionic. <laughs> uh, so, uh, let's see here. He says, I've just listened to your interview with Henry Lamb, and I want to tell you these things while they're fresh in my mind. Uh and he says it's a long email. So he he wrote, actually, a preliminary preamble, which actually fits a little bit better for our show. Okay. Still may not get through all of it anyway on wow. the show, but. You're holding,
3: sa- like, it looks like an encyclopedia.
2: It's great, isn't it? Yeah, man. Yeah. First of all, I started writing this email about three weeks ago. Um, the day after I started writing, I got very sick for about a week with pneumonia. And so he's been trying to write, and things getting in the way, I understand. Uh, he's a stay-at-home dad with three kids uh, and has some special needs there, so. Uh, You know, you're going through a very common thing of a lot of our listeners right now. Um, He says, I sense that some Futurians that you highly respect may have been critical of the topics or material that you've been focusing on lately, namely spending time on the background of the guests you interview, as well as your focus on preparedness for the soon-coming rise of persecution of believers and true patriots in this country. Let me just give you a word of affirmation about this. You are absolutely free in Christ to make this show exactly what you were led to make it. Oh, thank you, brother. Very interesting. Uh, you are marching orders from the Lord, not from even the most faithful future in listeners, so be free to take their opinions, just that, in opinion. Man, this is just wow. really affirming. And then do exactly what it is that God is laying in your heart to do, nothing more, nothing less. Be content with that, because if God is laying on your heart, he must be a good reason for it. Uh He says, from my own personal point of view, you've been extremely blessed by your ongoing and the background of each individual you interview. It helps me see them as regular brothers and sisters in the Lord just like me who have a burning desire to make a difference and to go into battle for the Lord, but sometimes have a hard time taking that first step in any particular direction. Mm-hmm. When you talk about uh, their personal story, it helps reveal how God can take the smallest effort or contribution and in turning into something, like you said, literally changes the course of history. Learning about their background changes the paradigm of them being the, quote, experts talking at us to them being one of us and showing us how we can make a stand for Christ in our own lives as well, however that may look individually. These people, they understand it better than I do. They get what's going on. That guy's cool. Better than what I know. I know, I know. It's Jacob. It's cool Jacob. As far as the focus of the show and preparedness, I think you're right on target. The bottom line is this. At some point, we all become the enemy. Literally, the whole world turns against us. That much is a fact. The only question is, how long will it take to get there? Will it be a long slide or... Or a rapid descent.
3: Lately I think, it seems like it's going to be a big old swan dive. It's rapid
2: or rapider. yeah. Right. I think it is happening far more quickly than any of us have imagined. Uh, and it is important to be prepared for the persecutions coming. Unlike most shows that only talk about physical preparedness, you guys talk about spiritual preparedness. I think a healthy balance of both would be very pleasing to the Lord. Because in the end, you can't really separate them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How can I tell someone that Jesus loves them and get their heart right and not tell them the reality of the world we're living in? Boy, amen, brother. Yeah, man. Uh, about the deadly vaccines, the chemtrails, the fluoride, the loss of freedom, the depopulation agenda. Likewise, how can I tell them how to survive the economic or social collapse and not tell them about Christ and the salvation of their soul? We just need to speak the truth in love, and in doing, we'll be speaking about the reality of our spiritual condition as well as our physical. So, and he, I just want to quickly go through here because we're going to follow up on this. He recommended uh, getting somebody on Dr. Rebecca Carley. Uh, to talk about uh, this whole issue about uh the, what they're doing regarding health and vaccines and things like this. And I just know she was on Alex Jones today, by the way. So mm. we're going to pursue her as a guest. Thanks, Jacob, for the tip on that. Um, and uh, so anyway, he recommends that. He says, I want you to know that for every two people that email you to tell you how much a future quake means to them and their walk with the Lord, there are 2,000 more that are touched by your show, but for various reasons never end up emailing you. And let me mention, I didn't think we mentioned earlier, the normal listenership for the Revelations Radio Network that now we become a part of mm-hmm. is upwards of 40,000 people. Wow. 40,000 40, people, people that are as
3: strange as us. hear me in front of a microphone? Yeah,
2: that's it. That's we're in, it. We're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, the reason I know it's not just listeners who are blessed by the show, but everyone who come in contact with. and sure even the smallest bit of truth that is discussed on your show every week. Uh, my wife has only listened to one full show, the one with Mike Kaiser, but I'm constantly telling her things I learned from the show. And then all the time, I overhear her passing that information on to her friends, some of which I don't even know. See, mm-hmm. he's saying that, that the reach is more than what we see recorded on the people downloading the show. Wow. Which is, man, I tell you, that's just such a blessing. So my point is, when the truth is spoken, and day in and day out, a chain reaction occurs, one that is supernaturally charged by the Lord himself. You are speaking the truth in love, and that is having an impact that is far, far greater than you will ever know in this lifetime. But, boy, it will be an awesome party when we're in heaven praising God and we get a chance to see all the connections back to your show. You have been talking about thousands of Futurians, when maybe it's more like millions that have been touched in some way, however directly or indirectly. And it says here he's going to be getting a blog. That, By the way, would not it? Yeah. A great, awesome. great encouragement. Yeah. He says he's getting a blog coming up called www.wakingjonah.com. Uh, I'll be talking about your show often, so hopefully it'll bring some new listeners in the near future. Who knows? Sounds like that'd be a good link you could put on yours on Future Quick Radio, yeah. com. Yeah. Maybe y'all go. could link together.
3: There you go. We'll link up.
2: Yeah. Uh, he says, I'm currently reading the Bible through in a year, and the first time in my life I'm sticking with it. So everybody pray for Brother Jacob to yeah. stick with it. He says, I was considering giving up for a while, and at that moment, Michael Kaufman, and one of our recent guests, reminded me that the most important thing was to be in the Word every day. That was just the Word I needed at that moment. I went up to the northern shore of Lake Michigan and got caught up, and the Lord really spoke to me that day. Uh, please know that listening to your show the past eight months or so has impacted my walk with the Lord in deeper ways than all my years of attending church combined.
3: Holy cow.
2: You talk about real issues happening in the real world around us that the Lord wants us to be equipped for. Uh, most of our churches have been too cowardly to speak the truth about these issues Boy, that's the truth Or are too brainwashed themselves to even know what they're missing I suspect it's a little of both Tell it <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for talking You know, he could easily replace us as a host I know It's evident yeah. Thanks for talking about the proper Christian response to the New World Order from a biblical worldview There are a lot of people in the freedom movement that talk about standing up to tyranny But they seem to set the Bible aside and just go on their instincts You and I both know that get us in a lot of trouble uh, and he, he mentions, uh, you know, that he turns to shows like PID Radio and ours because he knows we will orient everything around the Word of God, including our proper response to oppression and persecution. Uh, so, uh, he says, Thanks for waking me up to the Constitution Party and Christian libertarianism in time to vote for Chuck Baldwin in the election last year. He says, I know at least two of my friends switched their votes from Obama to Baldwin based on the insights I shared with him. I'm really glad you had Russ Dizdar on your show a while back. He had his name tossed around by Derek and Sharon Gilbert, but I hadn't heard him personally until your interview with him. I've been listening to him regularly and really sense the power of the Holy Spirit in him in a very unique way. Mm -hmm. I know that he loves the Lord dearly and is reaching a lot of people through his ministry. I also want to say that I really enjoy reading Tom's blog.
3: Oh, well, thank you.
2: I just made that part up.
3: No, you didn't. No, it's really there. (laughs) Amazing,
2: amazing insights. Uh, you'll notice that I linked to it from my Waking Jonas site that I mentioned above. He's he's ahead of you already. Wow! And, and no, there's no content there yet. So, and then then he goes on to the full email. Sorry, I know we took up that's, a big part of the show. That's but just
3: the preamble. Yeah. What, what is he now, like
2: writing? The Constitution? Was that not? Holy cow. But, 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 but that was like gold, though.
3: Oh, it was great. I
2: mean, that was that should be. No, it was school good. School children should read I'm that. I'm just
3: like I'm just. Wow, that's a long that's a that long is preamble. like in the
2: cool dude hall of fame. Jacob yeah. goes in there, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know we've had people like Ryan on recently, Jeremiah, also a cool dude, Hall of Fame. Yeah, these guys, we're not worthy of these people.
3: I know, and we've just about spent most of the time. You got, you want to read that short one real yeah, quick? Yeah, here we
2: go. Hey, God bless you, brother.
3: Yeah, yeah, thank you for all of the stuff you send in. It it means more to you, and especially Doctor Future. Than well, actually, you
2: guys that know. taught
3: our listeners. Yeah. That taught them better than what we could say. Yeah, there you go. Tell them what Alan says. All right, says. well, here's a here's a nice, really relaxing one. Alan Keyes says, "Government will stage terror and declare martial law." Uh, this is dated Tuesday, April 21st, 2009. Former presidential candidate Alan Keyes has given perhaps his most dire warning yet, saying that the Obama administration is preparing to stage terror attacks, declare martial law, and cancel the 2012 elections, which is why they are demonizing their political enemies as criminals and terrorists. Uh, K, K, uh Keyes is best known for his performance during the 2000 Republican presidential debates when he was accredited by many media outlets as being the clear winner. Uh, during a series of b- debates with George W. Bush and John McCain. Uh, it's obvious that they will stop at nothing, Keyes told attendees of a, of a reception in Fort Wayne, adding, We wake up one day and there's a series of terrorist attacks. The economy is paralyzed. Martial law will be declared everywhere in the United States and it won't end until the crisis ends. Uh, Keyes says that Americans should be thankful if they even see another election in 2012, stating, If we don't wake up and work to see what, that it happens, we will not see another election. The minute they think that they will get away with it, they will, en- they will end the system of government, and that is their intention, added Kay, uh, Alan Keyes. I don't know why I keep wanting to say his name wrong. Keyes, noting that everyone acted as as if the time we are in was just, uh, just business as usual, reminding him of the attitude of politicians in the Weimar Republic when Hitler was rising to power, or Eastern Europe when the Communists are taking over after the Second World War. Keyes said that that because the majority of people are decent minded, they believe others will play by the rules when this simply isn't the case. Warning that this attitude will allow evil to take over before we can do anything about it. Mm. So there.
2: <laughs> that's from prison. Paul Watson, prisonplanet.com. Uh huh. And that's a quote from Alan
3: Keith, yeah. who we've interviewed for our mm-hmm. show. Um, think other people are catching on? Uh, I hope so. I think so. Well, based on these emails, I mean, I want I, I, I talk to people every day about this, and they go like, "Wow, population control, man. That's scary." <laughs> and they go on about their business. Yeah, yeah. Or like, or like my dad. Like, okay, well, what do you do about it? <laughs> well, you try and stop them. What do you mean? <laughs>
2: yeah. What do you do about it? And you know, fathers should be showing an example of that to their sons.
3: Yeah, like let's go to this protest together, Dad. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. let me show you the way. Well, you know, I got my retirement now. It's time to. Yeah, just chill out.
2: Yeah, it may be hard for people, people secure to do it. They may not be the ones the world, leading the no way. Big deal.
3: Yeah, my progeny's not going to have any future.
2: Well, we got to bring Merv in, and I want a little quick last word. So, Merv, would you come in and tell our listeners how they can contact us, like those cool dudes we just read about uh, here on Future Quake?
6: Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information.
2: Okay. I'd like to say in closing, we've got about fifteen seconds. Let that on me. Um, this has been an amazing week. Yeah, amazing is. shows. Mm-hmm. Uh we all get bummed about money problems and stuff not working out right. Speak for yourself, I just ignore but, them. Okay.
3: But <laughs> no power, no heat.
2: Who needs them? We have no power, we have no influence with people. But uh we have other futurians out there like us. We have guests that are thinking like us, we have mm-hmm. people out there all over the world mm-hmm. that think like us. And no matter what they do to us, the Lord will be with
3: us,
6: mm-hmm.
2: and we're going to be able to reside together. And this is the kind of people I want to hang out yeah. with.
3: Yeah, money and power I do not have, but what we do have is Jesus.
2: That's from Peter. Yep. Well, no further ado. we got to go. Come back tomorrow for a great week of Future Quake. Until then, I hope your future is very bright. Have a good day.
0: Word up. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a Future Quake. quake. quake.